Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 195 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. All right, so just a warning in advance. Discord's uh, acting a little funky today, so if uh, this podcast, I'm not saying it will, but if it does end up getting a little choppy, it sounds a little edited, if you're just listening through audio and not watching the screen, uh, know that's why we might have to, you know, clip back in some segments if if we get separated mid-call. We just want to make you all aware of that. Anyway, uh, you may have noticed, for those of you who are listening on the go, that uh, we hit you with a flurry of episodes over on iTunes and Google Play. We finally got that updated. What happened for these last couple of weeks was we were trying to get the site we use uh, to get the podcast episodes onto iTunes up and running. There were a couple of bugs and hurdles we had to go over to make that happen. It should be okay and smooth sailing from this point forward. Furthermore, uh, I put in a request, and it should be good now. I have to double-check, but when I last looked, I saw our podcast there, um, but it was just processing all the episodes. But if you want to listen on Spotify to us, you can do so now. So go ahead, look us up, follow us. Um, be sure to share the word. We are finally on another mobile platform. I apologize it took so long. Um, but we're happy to be there. I, I use Spotify almost exclusively in my car. So I, trust me when I say I, I know how important it is. I listen to uh, Sacred Symbols and Kind of Funny Gamescast quite often when I'm driving around. So um, I, I totally get where you guys are coming from, and I hope that you are all excited that we are on a new platform, because I certainly am. Um, and all of this type of stuff is possible, such as having a service that lets us put podcasts on iTunes, on Google Play, and now Spotify through your support on Patreon because we have to pay for a site separately. So do keep in mind that if you enjoy this show and you want early access to it, heading into my Patreon, paying a buck, you get early access amongst Discord access, you get to chat with me and a bunch of other wonderful people. It's good stuff. So that'll be linked down below along with Carrick's Patreon. Be sure to support him. He's doing great stuff there. Giveaways, constant interaction with his fans, and so on. So all good stuff happening on both ends of the game. And now we get into what ramped up into a very, very busy week. All right, Carrick, we're going to start off with, uh, I guess, what would fit the channel best, but maybe not the biggest piece of news in all technicality, which is the Outer Worlds being added to the list of exclusive Epic Games. And for a story that released on Wednesday, it developed quite fast. So the original story was, okay, it's exclusive to not only the Epic Games Store, but also Windows. And that was pretty much it. Obsidian didn't release any statement afterwards. Um, over time, we learned that there were Steam achievements added actually four hours before the reveal of this game being moved to the Epic Games Store, which would indicate that developers at Obsidian were not aware of this move whatsoever, and it was made by either higher-ups or that Take-Two slash Private Division had blindsided them. I had got word through an email, which I was unable to confirm whether or not it was true, that pretty much Obsidian didn't want this deal to happen, but then Chris Avalone, one of the founders of Obsidian, had actually said that he wouldn't be surprised if the Obsidian CEO had kind of pulled the wool over everyone's eyes there and was working on this deal for a while, just just based off his personal interactions with him, which I personally am more leaning towards being able to trust because he has worked at the company for so long, and on top of that, I don't think he has any 
he has a reason to throw shade at them, right? They they almost silenced him and, and cut him out of working on RPGs forever, which is a very big deal. But Chris doesn't strike me as the spiteful type of guy, especially as someone who has a career in this field, and more so a man who just has always told the truth. And as we'll document later in the podcast, he has plenty of work, so I don't think he wants to lose that amongst all of it. So that's kind of the general layout, the landscape of what's happening with the Outer Worlds. Carrick, I have shared so many thoughts and videos on this topic, but I, w- I want to hear from you, man. What are you feeling about the Outer Worlds exclusivity, the rumors that have started to circulate about it? Who do you think is responsible? What's your take? I don't know about the who I think is responsible because, of course, it does take you know multiple people to make the deal, right. um, including – so no matter what Private Division knew, obviously, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the CEO had to know – um, who knows about the communication internally? I assume I never knew, like at my job, I never knew who was doing some of the higher ups. You would just be told one day, we're now doing this. And you're like, that's sort of what happens depending on your level and, and depending on your level of management. Um, I just don't like, I don't like that they did announce that they weren't doing this. And they said they were going to be on all stores a while ago at one of the uh, interviews. And then mm-hmm. now it's like we switched, but also... Um, we've got word from not only one dev, actually a couple devs in the subreddit um, backed this up, but then a leaker backed up how much, just how much money Epic's throwing around. At some point, a company like Obsidian, which has in the past run into money issues, they might just be like, we got to make sure the war chest is here in case something does go wrong, uh, that we, we make our people feel safe. And even though a developer doesn't want to be on Epic only, we now look at Metro sales, which are spectacular. We look at how much Epic is paying people. And I'm sure a lot of devs are like, I do want to be sort of promised comfort. And that when this game comes out, the next game we can work on without worrying about right. everybody being fired. This is something you and I've talked about where like 40% of people are, rel- are relieved of their job the day a game comes out. So it's like now Epic's sort of there saying, well, here's some extra money. Cut it down and to it 20, sucks, yeah, to cut it down to 20, and it sucks, especially being announced like this. But I do have to sort of side with keeping developers employed, too, uh, as long as that helps them stay employed and doesn't go into somebody's pocket, right? <laughs> like, yeah. that's the one thing. Like, is somebody running around on a fucking gold sled now, <laughs> or are, are there more people who are going to be able to keep their jobs at the end? We'll never know, probably, but... Right, yeah, because you don't want a situation like what kind of came out about Randy Pitchford about like just kind of pocketing that money possibly. Right, with exactly. Deal. That would be that'd be really bad. That would piss a lot of people off. See, my thing with the Metro situation because a lot of people always brought that up in in retaliation. Like, well, Maddie, according to this data, you know, Metro did pretty well, and um, I wouldn't say this is like a, a direct counterpoint to what you said because I get like, oh, it sold two point five times more. But Metro was way smaller back in 2013. Gaming as a whole was way smaller back in 2013. It's really blossomed a ton over the years. It's bigger than it's ever been. Metro Exodus had a huge marketing cycle. I think the controversy brought a lot of attention to the game, maybe negative, but also a lot of people went, oh, this looks cool. I'm going to buy it. Um, And I think there's a strong indication that instead of saying we sold this many copies and it's this more successful than Metro, the sharing of data, oh, it sold 2.5 times more, tells me that they are trying to defend something and make a point and skew data rather than say, oh, we actually did succeed. Because 
not only is the game more popular, so it makes sense it's going to have more sales, but also Metro Exodus had the biggest budget of any Metro game, for sure. You can tell graphically, uh, world design-wise, all the voice acting. You know, you'll be standing there for like five minutes watching just two characters talk to each other. It's insane. Um, there's clearly a high level uh, or a high amount of money that was invested in this product. So once again, let's say, let's say Metro Last Light sold, you know, 400,000, 500,000 copies on Steam, which I imagine more over time because of the, all the sales, which once again can skew data because that game has gone on sale for five bucks, two bucks so many times. So it's really hard to tell. But if we're talking launch window, I, I'd wager, you know, like a million tops. And I don't know if, metro exodus you know really hit into that range on pc and and the reason i say is you look at a game like devil may cry 5 which you know really lit it up with reviews and and had a lot of fanfare and that game has just crawled past 2 million and i I feel like if for a games had access to data that suggested this game is a huge success which you know it might be i could be wrong here i feel we would have known i feel they would have released that not just the performance level on Epic to defend their point. And because of that extra revenue cut, maybe that 2.5 times more has, you know, it's not as bad, if that makes sense, because they're making more from the sale. But like I said, that's just kind of my spiel on it. I feel I feel like that kind of can mislead people. It can, but Epic's been very clear they're not releasing numbers for right now. Mm. So I think what we got could have been clarified with percentage of sell-through uh, uh, compared to current market. So they could have said the current market for the Xbox, uh, what was that, 360, was for Last Light and Xbox One. They both got a version of Last Light, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, um, they had so many re-release or a re-release. Yeah, and you could have done a percentage and said we sold 50% more to the within the same like percentage of market. Mm-hmm. You could have done something like that. Um, right now, until Epic gives numbers, they're a little like Microsoft where they don't give solid numbers. So it's always going to be difficult to to understand exactly how something did right. which sucks um and i think it's i think this is still though i think one of the reasons why is cuz remember the developer verified this epic is paying them regardless of sales epic is paying them but which helps for now yeah the developers that's one of the reasons why the developer on steam or on reddit was like listen like they told us mm-hmm. they were going to pay us this bonus even if we, so if we sold 500,000 we were going to get a certain amount but if we sold zero we were going to get that same amount so right now with the right. 10 cent money and epic having so much money they don't know what to do with it um i don't think they even care about numbers i mm-hmm. do think though that an open world post apocalyptic game after fallout 76 that actually did well has the potential to have sold insane numbers right so there, I, I think it probably did sell freakishly well, where Devil May Cry is a very niche game when you look at what its expectations are and the fact that it is a game that's the fifth, where I think a lot of people are like, I have no clue what's even going on, mm-hmm. where Exodus didn't have any connection to the prior ones. So, as in numbers-wise, didn't say one, two, three. You know, I, yeah. I think all of those have to be taken and into context. I think, context. in a sense, the way the game presents itself, you can almost play it without knowing prior stuff i think so yeah really i think they did a... alien or the the uh the what do they call them uh the the alien like creatures that uh that would uh, in, in in exodus in uh no in in last light 
Oh, oh, you mean the creatures that were in Last Light that, that aren't in Exodus? Yeah, I, the, yeah, I don't remember was like their the names. Whole, yeah, I can't. It was like the one yeah. or something like that, and they were really crucial yeah. to that story. And they, you know, you solved all that, so they're obviously not going to be in Exodus. But um, it I, sucks, regardless, just because we all want numbers. But mm-hmm. I think when, I think until they just Epic's just been pretty clear they're not for right now for whatever reason probably because of some of these bonuses and stuff. They just want to keep the financials behind the veil. Look at Steam. Steam Spy had to be made just to see Steam sales because they refused to give numbers. Right. And, by the way, I'm, Steam I'm Spy's Steam. guy works for Epic now. Wow. Just so you know. Wow. I'm on Steam Spy right now. Um, and I don't know how accurate these are, so I feel like a lot Within 100,000, I would assume. Okay, because a lot of people really liked when we, like, dug through all the Resident Evil shit that one episode, so I figured mm, we'll, yeah. we'll probably pick up where we left off here. So I'm on Steam Spy, I'm looking at Metro Last Light, and it says, just for the base Last Light, which I'm guessing is, you know, when it was released on PC alone, uh, it says, owners, 0 to 20,000, which seems awfully low in my opinion. Um, but then when you look at Last Light Redux, it says owners two million to five million, um, which I think could could be a lot more accurate. Once again, the only issue that I feel personally skews it is this game has been out for a while. It's been out since 2014. It has gone on sale so many times to the point of like you know two dollars, three dollars. You know maybe you play 2033, you just pick up Last Light. That's like couple bucks um i still think yeah around the two to to four million range makes sense in my opinion maybe five but um i just find like let's say it was like in the three or four millions like would you find would you believe if they said oh metro exodus has sold eight million copies on uh epic game store because i personally have a tough time buying that yeah, I yeah, I don't I, I just don't know because I don't I mean, I don't know the purchase power that they have yet. There isn't mm-hmm. enough games to know that yet. Right. Um that it to me that seems insanely high. But right. that being said, um I've been blown away by other shittier games where the, they announce the sales <laughs> and, and I'm all the best selling game of the year. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to talk about that. Yeah, and number 2 after Mass Effect 3, like, what the fuck, like, what the fuck, their number two best-selling game. Um, oh, oh, and then Jump Force is second, which is like... That game yeah, is and Jump so, Force! Yeah. The game's yeah, got I, shit reviews! Yeah, I was like, so, alright, so no one researches when they buy games, they're just like, this looks Exactly, cool. <laughs> exactly. So, I like, I, I guess I would say just sheerly because of the surprises even you and I've had since I've been doing the podcast with you... It, now it's a little harder to say, oh, no, I don't think so, because I have, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, it did have a huge marketing. Um, it did get fairly pretty good reviews, and it was an open-world apocalyptic game where Fallout well. 76 did not succeed. Right. And I think that some people took the money they did not spend on Fallout 76 and within that ecosystem and spent it on Metro. It really yeah. feel, And then people were wanting a Metro game for a long, it, it hit at a good time. Mm-hmm. I personally believe Metro Exodus hit at a great time for Metro itself. Like, people were chomping at the bit for the next Metro, so. Right. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. interesting. I've been playing it a lot more lately. I'm in the, um, I think it's called the Summer Section. Like, I, I'm after the Caspian Sea. Yeah, the, you're after the Caspian Sea. Yeah, and um, 
I don't know if it's something with deserts, man. But I mean, I, I thought the Caspian Sea felt very uh, barren. It was it was definitely mm-hmm. the weak spot so far of the game. Uh, just you know, because I don't like, I don't, I get the whole point of the game is is finding your place, uh, you know, a destination, having a goal, having a dream, chasing that dream, following your dreams. Um, but I really enjoyed the structure of. 2033 and last light which kind of had like a i want to even say a main antagonist because i think each of these games almost host a, a revolving door of bumping into crazy factions or types of people yeah in this world um you know you even see it in the metro even though that's all the game originally took place and you'd still see you know not just one core antagonist but um it felt like there was a goal and with this one it's like you're kind of just hoofing along hoping you know you, you strike gold almost um, where I, I'm definitely connected more to the gameplay in the world space and, and reading little documents rather than the actual narrative or the characters. I think the only character I really care about is, uh, um, is it Anna or Anna? Uh, I, I call her Anna. Yeah, I think it's Anna. I, I don't know if that's and, correct. And her dad. Like, those are the only two I... The only reason I her care about him dad. Is, yeah, because he's, he's kind of funny. Uh, but he like, is, but he's a jackass. <laughs> I, I want to right? kick him off the train multiple times. <laughs> but that's part of the charm of him. And I guess, you know, outside of that, like, I don't really care about anyone else. Um, Do you know where I felt that game failed, dude? Speaking of the characters, the crazy part in the middle. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. The Where where you think you might have gone to a safe place. Uh-huh. Um, that was handled. That was dry for what they were trying to explain. I'll specify location. Show. You let me know. Yamantau? Yeah, that's a... I don't pay attention to the names. Oh. But the bunk, the bunker. Yeah. Where, like, you... Yeah. I I really felt that they missed the boat. That could have been really shocking. And instead, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I know exactly what's happening. Like, I feel that happens you, a lot. Because part of it, I feel, as much as I like Miller as a character... Can I type into your Discord without anybody seeing? Oh, yeah, no one, no one will see it. But, um, I just want to make sure it's not that that group. Uh, hold on. Yep, yep. We are on the same. Yeah. Page. Did that? Did that? Was that dry as fuck for what they were trying to show in Exodus? Was I, did I miss the boat? I thought, I thought it was kind of. It, did you pick up any like the little documents lying around and, re- and read them? a couple? Okay. Yeah. Yes, I, I did read a couple for sure. I usually don't like when a location becomes stronger because of that, because I feel that means it's lacking a little bit of punch in right. its execution narratively and, and how like, yeah. the acting and, and, and the, the characters are delivering it. But still, I thought um, seeing kind of what happened before mm-hmm. leading into this moment um, and how they, they turned into these types of people, I liked that. But... Um, I thought it was a nice change of pace because after like four or five hours of slugging it out in Volga and, you know, really taking your time shooting these shrimp creatures and shit, um, it was nice to have a more high-paced pace um, experience, but I, I thought it fit well. But I also stand by this with this game. While I like the open spaces and I think it is the future of this series, it's very clear that you can see the roots of 4A is definitely embedded in more linear sections because I think that is when the game is it's at its most focused. Like, for example, yeah. Caspian Sea. You go into this bunker. Yeah, I know the bunker you're talking yeah. about. That's exactly right. Yeah, And it's a really strong part of the game, I feel. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like, you know, about half an hour you're really down there, 45 minutes, maybe an hour if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Not very long. Yeah, and, and then it's over. Um, and then you're back out into the open space where 
Um, it kind of almost turns into a Far Cry game. You, you slowly take out camps from bandits um, and you work your way to the main story. Um, and I feel that's why the game almost feels a little bit weaker because it feels like Metro is something you don't see a lot of. You know, the way it was originally, like, it built its factions, it built its world, and how it delivered moment-to-moment gameplay, um, where where it just feels more like a very hardcore open-world uh, game. Um, but, but, like, there are aspects I love. I love the crafting. Um, I think that the backpack system's great. I think the the focus on tense gameplay and conserving resources is done very well. Not, like, survival horror style well, but um, you really gotta be smart and not blow your ammo away. Um, yeah, it's just the stuff that I loved about Metro. Like, Last Light's still my favorite. I, th- I think that contained a strong narrative um, and still maintained all that gameplay. That was really cool. And I'm sad to see the the bullet um, currency system go away, where you could have extra damage with, cur- <laughs> get, like, bullets that are used for currency, but you're shooting your, your money away. Your literally. money away. Yeah. And uh, But, like, sometimes you might have to do that. And I, I really like that system in, in Last Light, and that, that was kind of a shame to see that go. Dude, I think I, I think that's a concession to. I, this is the improper term, so nobody should take it painfully. But like the casual, casual market doesn't want to see. They don't want to see their money being shot away. No. Like they just don't, and they don't want to feel like, what if I can't buy this next thing because I shot this bad guy one too many times? Mm-hmm. And I I think that for a lot of you and I may like it, um, or or find it. It's that one added like bit of dirtiness and like weirdness yeah, like it in a game. Or break it, but I was like, oh, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, exactly. No, I think I think that's what we're seeing now. <clears throat> Anthem is a prime example. Uh, multiple games are prime examples. We're going to talk about a game that's just got announced a sequel where its original was not pussified. Like I think the, the I think a lot of games. Excuse my language, but I think a lot of games that's <laughs> where they are. Is they're pussified games where that's they've word. they've they've. <laughs> Well, they've mowed down the edge on things. You know, oh, you want to be a thief? Yeah, well, or or just like even classes. You want to be a thief? Well, you can, but you can also be a healer because you can get this. And you're like, nobody really has to do one specific thing in a lot of games. Yeah, there's no funneling down a path almost. Yeah, and I think one of the weaknesses in Exodus, removing that, but I also think there is a very noticeable weakness in Exodus at times, which is uh, creature spawns, where you sort of just saw these creatures waiting. Yeah. You were just, especially Caspian Sea. Worst example. I, I, I enjoyed a lot of that part of the level, but there were multiple times where I was like, he's just right there. What's he doing? Why is he doing it? There's no, mm-hmm. there's no patrolling. We're going to talk about another game where that shit comes up, and I think a lot of people are going to be unhappy that it does, but... Those kind of things break me from a story pretty easily, and they can't yeah, happen I, in, I in Metro. They're right there in Metro. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't happen, or they're hidden. And so when it happens in Metro, you're like, fuck, there's a bad guy. But in Exodus, you're like, fuck, there's a bad guy. He's 70 yards away. I'm going to shoot him twice with a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. It changes the dynamic. Yeah, and, and I think the game that you're talking about later will definitely get into into that because that... I hope so. Yeah, because that that's... I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's a quirk of mine in games. I do miss the days where you would get funneled down a direct path. Like, uh, I'd say, you know, that's the thing, man. So many people praise The Witcher 3 and rightfully so, but, like, people need to take a look at Divinity Original Sin 2. As far as I'm concerned, that's the fucking best RPG to drop in a really long while. A very long time. Like, a game that actually says, like, here's choice, here's consequence. Hey, you pick this class, 
too fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, you're, exactly. You're stuck with it now. Make it work. You know, exactly. It, you can you can respec. I think it's the most generous thing the game offers you. You go to the mayor, you can respec. But like, holy shit, man! Yeah, I'm about to make one of those video essay style videos about Divinity Two because just like so many people were like, I want this, I want that, I want that. I'm like, right here. It's it's right there. It it, it offers everything people are looking for. Um, mm-hmm. on top of like the like game master mode, you know, for like pretty much D and D sessions. D and D style, yeah. If you yeah, do miniatures, insanity, yeah. man, insanity. And then you can play the game not only as like a creative character, but one of the pre-made characters at the game, like Fane, for example. Or you Blade. never did Tyranny, did you? No. Made because because you're not a huge PC gamer. No, overall. I, I am. I just it's it's on that list along with Pillars of Eternity where I bought gotcha. it on sale. I'm like, yeah, it's right there. I'm gonna play it. I just have yet to unpackage that digital seal. Because Tyranny, I think, is a better example of those games than Pillars is. A game where you have to make choices. And Tyranny, since you're the bad guy, even though you think you're a good guy. Mm-hmm. Because you think evil is good. You're like the Empire. They have every reason to believe that what they're doing is completely right. right. Every reason. And um, I think you'd enjoy Tyranny in the same way. Because Tyranny is like, bitch, this decision's going to end somebody's life. And you have one of those decisions in the first, like, ten minutes of the game. And you're like, wow. oh, crap. Like, and what do I do? And I, 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 you don't get those very often. And you don't get class restrictions very often, which is weird because I want those. Um, and I, that's why that's – and all this going back to Exodus, I think you do see some of the same, you know, mowing down of a little sharp edge to give you an open world, which is fine because I really like the game. But at the same time, even the delivery, like you said, of the story at times – it, it the open world's hard to tell a good story. It is right. very hard. And Divinity, the reason why Divinity gets away with half the shit it gets away with in a good way is when they say, you got you to gotta do this quest, and if you don't and come back, the person's dead. Yep. Because you took too long. And you're like, and I've seen people mad about that. And I'm like, no, don't be mad. This is not Oblivion. This is not Skyrim, where mm-hmm. the guy can be sick for eight fucking years, even <laughs> though it's super important, you go and get the antidote. Yep. That's why Divinity is considered by so... So serious. Yeah, that it does, and that's that's what helps, and it takes the player's time seriously. What I mean by that is Skyrim's a playground, which is great. Exodus, more of a playground, which is great. But Division, or I mean, uh, Divinity Two, Divinity One, both of those games are like, yeah, it's a playground, but kids get hurt playing, so be prepared. And mm-hmm. that is why I think so many people consider that one of the greatest games in the last like decade. Mm-hmm. There, that game has got some serious accolades, to be honest. Yeah. I agree. And and to wrap it all back to the game that sparked this discussion, The Outer Worlds, I do hope that's one. That, oh, shit! That, really, that, right? that is what it was. <laughs> that really does um, try to, to boast the feats of an RPG that lets you go down a specific path. and uh, Kill play, everybody. Yeah, kill everybody or, or, you know, talk your way through it or be an idiot or use yeah. melee or use science weapons. Um, and then the, the phobia system in that game. Um, where you can, like, get an additional perk if you're afraid of something, but that makes you weaker to a thing, like, you know, falling damage or spiders or whatever. So I'm really hoping that uh, The Outer Worlds shows people that, like, a first-person, almost, I guess, KOTOR-style game, kind of like it, where it's, like, level by level, but those levels are open to quest in and explore and interact with characters, um, that those still can be successful and uh, you can do some really cool things in it and have multiple experiences within just one product. Fingers do we have time to add something to this discussion? Or I don't know how much got, time. Yeah, I got time. <laughs> do, you, do you like the... I, I think you're the person that I talk to who likes the um, 
the detective games on like the GBA uh, that where they they look like a visual novel, but you're a detective. Uh, yeah, and then there's another one where you're pigeons or something, or you're animals. Are you there's telling? maybe it's yeah, but there was one where there's a, a well. Anyway, you're a lawyer. Um, there is a game on PC right now that I think you'd like called We the Revolution, and it's based. Bear with me. It's based in 1790 France, hmm. but you're a judge. And you have to look at every case that comes in, and you have to decide to guillotine them, to jail them, or to acquit them. Sounds like papers, please, almost. But like it is, exa- it's it's exactly uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's exactly what the devs were aiming for was a papers, please idea. Mm. And dude, it is phenomenal. It's eighteen bucks on Steam. It is it's visual novel looking, great graphics. But what we just talked about, you have to make decisions that are co- co- crazy. Like somebody will come in with a rape, and you'll be all. Okay, and there's multiple divisions of people in this world that you have to appease. The jury, revolutionaries, the mob, other judges, and you have to decide, do you make a decision based on, like, because if, if you piss one off, they'll try to assassinate you. Um, oh and God. so you have to decide, yeah. And so, like, this, like, one of the best examples is a rape that comes in. This is a good example of the case, not a best example of an action. But the person comes in, and, you, dude, you're, I'm telling you, Maddie, I was like, because I was guillotining everybody. That's just my that's just my style. I'm like, you're here, you're probably guilty. Like I was a bad judge. Right. This guy shows up and I'm like ready, right? It's like rape and I'm putting things together cuz it's got a crimes and punishment board where you put okay. all the evidence together and I started looking and reading more and I'm like, "Wait, this this person who was just on the witness stand said they didn't know about something, but then the two or three sentences later, they, they said something that indicates they absolutely had to know. So then I start breaking it down. I'm like, they were set up. And then I start looking into it. I'm like, no, they weren't set up. This person was caught with this guy. And so they claimed rape. I'm like, okay. Mm. Then I was like, no, 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 wait. This person is related to this person. So they set him up so that I would guillotine him so that it would make me look bad. And dude, I'm telling you, it's like one of those where you're sitting there going and you're reading. It's just like reading and putting these this evidence together. And he's standing there and you've got like three symbols, you know, guillotine, fucking save them, uh, put them to jail. And all you can see the icons for what these other clans believe should happen, what these other groups right. and and your bar will go up and down and you get to choose. Then you go home and then you have four family members and every night you have dinner and they react differently to what you've done. Oh, and geez. they're connected to the class. They're connected to the cases. So this kid shows up, my child, who I've been a dick to because I've just been killing everybody. I'm having a good time. I'm like, guillotine, guillotine. Fucking didn't matter. Like, I was just having a good time playing the game. Mm-hmm. And the kid is like, my music teacher has been arrested. And um, he definitely didn't do what they said. The next day, his case comes up. And you're like, <laughs> oh, shit. And if he's unhappy, his unhappiness will affect the other people in your evening dinner. And so I had to do that. Then, after I choose what to do with that case, a fucking board game opens up that's in the middle of this game, and now you're sending spies to districts to, like, blackmail other judges. What? Fucking, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm looking this you wanna, game up. Because it's I... called We the Revolution. It is, and there was a there's a, a news story on one of the websites saying, how did a game so good, how, how has it been months. overlooked? I'm telling you, it might be worth turning your PC on and playing. It is I, fucking I phenomenal. Think, yeah, I, I genuinely think like I'm going to buy that just based on what you just told me. 
I'm yeah, usually it's, not sold like that, but I genuinely think like. Dude, yeah. I'm telling you, I was excited. Like I was sitting here just, and I'm reading, and it, and then it adjusted my prior thought. Once I saw this guy that I think personally, and I'm not saying I'm right, I thought he was probably set up. So I was like, I'm not going to guillotine this. Oh, it looks like we cut out. Do what I think is right. And then other groups are like, fuck you. And the jury's like, we wanted him uh, we wanted him uh, acquitted. Somebody else was like, we want him killed. Somebody mm-hmm. else. And so you're going to piss somebody off. Then you go home. Then you got to deal with your family. Then you do the board game moment. Like every two hours, some mm-hmm. new element is added. And all of them are connected. And so later is on. Is like a long I'm, game? Yes, it's very. Well, because there's like a lot replayable? of reading. Or is the it like very replayable. Directest? Okay, so is it no very replayable? Like, is it yeah? Is it, is it like because I use papers, please, as an example? Is it like you know, case just keep kind of rolling in? You start to eventually see like ripples of the the same things from before, or is it a more no. on lines of no? A, it's it's like a directed story, pretty much. It's like a choose your own adventure in the way that like if I kill somebody, then something else can come up later. For example, I guillotine somebody, and about seventeen cases later, a guy showed up, and he had possibly used me guillotining this dude to take over the family's business. Wow. And I had to figure out, did I want to use my own internal knowledge? Like, am I going to be a judge or am I going to do so justice and vengeance, right? Like that's the difference. Mm -hmm. And, but that's all completely separate from all the other people. And so I could replay it. I already replayed a couple cases just for the fuck of it to sort of go, did I get, and then you can't get roll at some point. That's like, the credits roll. It's not procedurally generated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. just wasn't sure because it sounds like it's so densely packed that like it's dense, but it's typing. I think that's why there's there's some voice acting at dinner, but the rest the cases are text uh, with you choosing icons and connecting mm-hmm. things. So I think that allows them to write a shit ton of cases because I was in like case twelve on Act One, and wow. each case takes anywhere from five minutes to forty five if you want to like. You know, sit down and go, what the fuck? And then dinner time, you're like, what do I do? Who is it going to affect? And then the board game part and what spies. And then you can send a diplomat in to, like, you know, do some secret shit. But if they, if one of the thugs from the other bad guy's clan finds him, he'll beat him up, which stops him from doing anything. And then, then you have the mini stories there. So you'll send a diplomat in, and the next day, he'll be like, I found something. And now you got to choose Wow. How to how to like figure out whatever he's talking about with other choices. And then you gotta speak to the mob and give speeches. And you gotta be like they'll be all do you wanna be aggressive, careless, um uh manipulative, or one other one. Hmm. And you have multiple times where you have to decide how to not have the mob come and kill you. Because you're you're a human in this. You're not like a blank slate, you're a father, you've got a background as a drunk and a gambler, and you're trying to get out of that. You're trying to like make people consider you a real judge it's and then climb the this huge pyramid of of other judges to get to the top it's so you can like you can like fail and die pretty much yeah you can be killed for sure what it'll say is these guys will guillotine these guys will like kick you off the bench these guys will assassinate you these guys i can't remember what the other one was there's and and then they add um other groups as you continue to play first it's just the revolutionaries the mob and the jury uh, revolutionaries, mob, and judges. Then it's the nobility, because it's in France during the revolution, and they're they've got their own machinations. And like people show up at your dinner table and be like, "Your wife told me I should talk to you." And then your family members start like playing into politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's dude. Wow. It's yeah, it's insane. You should check it out. The reason I, why I brought I it up is because it's like tyranny, 
it's like those games where you have a choice once you make it. Wow. You have to sort of eat it. I will definitely be giving that one a look. Good stuff. Thank you for putting that on my radar and many others. Yeah. Next we've got, which I think would we'd arguably say is kind of the biggest news of the week, is the announcement of Google Stadia. Um, we're just going to be, I guess, going over our general thoughts. A lot of people already have. I, I didn't make like a, you know, let's watch this live kind of thing. I was covering, what was I covering? Bethesda, something for Bethesda, right? I think Bethesda announced their E3 conference that day. And so I was mm. like, okay, you know, I'll cover that because that's more me and I don't really trust Google to put out something that's going to be of substance right now it's going to be a lot of talking not showing and uh i think i kind of hit the nail on the head with that one because um what it seemed like was some neat ideas uh with tech that no one really buys into because it's just not there yet at least in most areas so what stadia was kind of boasting was 4k up to 4k i should say up to emphasis on up to 4k with hdr 60 fps streaming uh, one of the cool features that I think caught a lot of people's attention in our sphere was you could be watching a YouTuber play and, you know, how they have, like, the watch YouTube gaming thing, um, and then they'll probably have, like, a play button, and you can, like, literally click jump play, in. and it'll jump into the game, and you could, like, join another player's uh, person's multiplayer game, or you could uh, fire it up and play the single-player game. You could, like, try a demo through there, maybe, which could be really cool. Um, like, imagine if a trailer's rolling on YouTube before, you know, Carrick's video or my video. Like, that looks cool. And it says, like, try demo now through Google Stadia. Like, that could be really cool. Um, but overall, no pricing, no real announcement of a package. Seems more like, oh, it's a streaming service that goes to any screen in your life. Um, and I think it's almost reminiscent of the xbox where the xbox was ready for an all digital future before anybody else and no one was ready for it everyone kicked and screamed giving my discs you know uh, playstation capitalized on it made a video how to use used games on the ps4 and they just made a one minute video of them sliding the disc in and kind of like flipped the bird at microsoft and slam dunked them pretty hard in 2013 but in this case i i think that google's ahead of the pack uh, and then Microsoft and PlayStation will gradually ease people into more of the digital realm, more of the streaming realm over time. We, we know Xbox now is a competitor with their cloud, xCloud, I think it's called. We know that PlayStation's got Gaikai. So, you know, th all these companies know where things are trending, where things are going. They have access to that type of data. I just personally think that Google put all their chips in on uh, a service that I just feel consumers aren't ready for right now. Or, or internet is ready for at this point. I think some people will be able to access it and they'll very much enjoy their experience. But I also believe that for the most part, um, it'll really prosper when you see the whole industry embracing it, not one company kind of pitching their console or their idea based off of it. What do you generally think? Yeah, I mean, I think people mistake what's needed bitrate-wise for a movie versus a game, mm -hmm. and um, games requiring a shit ton more because of the frame rate that is variable, uh, you know, depending on the engine. It's not 24 FPS with an exact resolution. It's going to be going up and down. They want minimum 30 down, but what they don't tell you is that 30 down on a buffered movie is fine because you could lose buffer, and I have. I've lost the internet, and Netflix has continued to play because it's buffered into Chrome uh, or or Firefox, and then the internet's come back up before the file had run out of 
buffered space. There is no buffer for a game. Right, because it's all just there, happening. It's it's all happening. And 30 minimum down is crazy. Mm-hmm. The average in Australia is 26, which goes to show you Australians are out. But um, I'm even out because it's I static. I say something about that. Yeah, they want 30 down, but what they don't tell you is that watch your internet rating or watch your internet graph on your modem whenever anybody signs into Facebook at your house. And it'll dump. And the idea of it dumping during some games is is pretty crazy. I think Microsoft is much smarter. Their GDC stuff they did yesterday showed that they sort of understand that it's like hardware and software. And I think I was hoping, I had heard it wasn't going to happen, but I was still hoping I was wrong and that there would be hardware, uh, even if it was twice as powerful as a Switch, something like that, where it's like you can still play at home if your internet goes down. Um, The big deal, though, is, let's be honest, you can't even get to the Xbox Live service on a web without going through Google because you type into Google Xbox. So one of the things that's going to happen is people are going to say, Mr. Maddie's review of Outer Worlds, I want to see it. So they go to Google, they type in Mr. Maddie's review of Outer Worlds. They're going to get three search results, and I can guarantee you, yours will not be first. It will be second. The first will be play this game live on Google. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest advertising of any company in the world. Billions of people use it daily. Billions of people have it as their main page. That is intelligent. But technologically, there's huge hurdles to get over. Right. And um, one of them was even during their presentation, the games had, we counted frames. They were at 250 to 500 milliseconds of lag in their presentation. Now, if you cut that... Doom, right? That was, yeah, they were switching between, they got to the mobile. No, it was, uh, the, the one they were showing was Odyssey. The one that I'm talking about oh. was Odyssey. They were showing it, and then they moved it over to a cell phone, and she went like this, and it was like, and it turned, and I was like, oh, no. Because that would be my experience with the streaming version of Odyssey, which was good, but it had lag, and it wasn't at 60 FPS. I like the idea, but yeah, internet, not even close to ready. Mm-hmm. America, bandwidth caps. Not only are they adding bandwidth caps, but they're starting to get tighter, not less. So that means if you think you're going to save money, go check how much Comcast charges you when you go over. It's insane. And I'm, I should know because I've gone over. That's why I bought business internet. So I didn't have a cap. So all of the West Coast has data caps. And that means if you're playing a game and you go over your data cap, Comcast is going to charge you because Comcast doesn't have a connection with Google. They're not going to say, oh, it's Google streaming. We're going to allow that. That doesn't make any sense. So there's a ton of shit and a ton of extra cost there, even if they go for a cheap price. Um, there's, there are so many little issues, everything from compression, input latency, frame timing, technical. Those are the technical ones. Uh, it just, to me, seems more pie in the sky. It seems more five or ten years um, with a small rollout now where people can just do it. You know, will they pay with ads? Maybe it's possible that they could just say, because uh, another thing is, Maddie, YouTube hasn't made money ever. So this that's so wild. Yeah. And so this idea of everybody streaming does help Google in that way, because they can be like, but I don't know if you saw, they said, even if you're playing it at 1080p, if you push a button, we will transcode it to 4K, which is a huge amount of computing power which is then also going out to different people. And 
what my personal opinion is, is that their hope is to get advertisers to pay for that. And those advertisers also mean you and I, with me dropping cuss words, we may see a huge amount of people not able to have any content anymore because they don't meet a parental guide or they don't meet a parental guideline. Will certain games not be available? Doom's there, but you're shooting demons. But what if a religious group comes forward and says, even though this would be weird, but says we don't want you shooting demons or something like that? And you know, Google says, well, we've already removed shit from YouTube, so we're not going to allow some games to stream. There's going to be some oddities in what they're going to allow. I, I just think it's got a ton of issues. Yeah, it seems um, like they had a good idea, and they kind of put the announcement out earlier, and they really had to for whatever reason. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not not excited. Um, I'm yeah, me curious. neither. I'm interested. I'm yeah, and I want to you know I want to experience something like that. I love nothing more than you know. Usually, when I travel, I used to take my laptop with me, and um, but this was before the switch. Now I would always take my Switch, but I'd take like a Vita or 3DS or something like that. It would be awesome with the Google Stadia just to take my laptop and a controller. Mm -hmm. Just be like, there's my entertainment whenever I'm bored. Boom. That's it. Um, I see the convenience. I see the idea. I see what they want. Um, I would have loved a small rollout at that point. Like, you know, hey, it's 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 launching later this year, but we have a small beta testing, you know. Yeah, put something. Put it to work now. Put it to work now. Yeah. I don't know why wait for it uh, unless it's obviously not completely ready, which then I think, you know, you're letting excitement build up, interest build up because there's so many question marks. And then when it finally comes around, if it doesn't work, which I can't see a, a service like this going off without a hitch, um, people are going to be really upset. Um, yeah, it's an, I, I feel it's... like, you know, part of it falls on the consumer. Like we know it's not really there yet. We know it. You know, it'll work for some, not most. And yeah. if that's the case, do not sit there and be like, man, imagine this works. It's like, come on, let's be realistic here. Yeah, I mean, dude, my own internet at my house. So I stream, I don't know if you saw, but two weeks ago, Microsoft now allows you to stream your PC to your Xbox. So mm. I, got a, I got that set up. They've always allowed Xbox to PC, but PC to Xbox, I decided to do uh, Division 2. Because I was like, oh, I have the Xbox version, but streaming the PC version of my TV would be pretty cool. Um, and it worked. And there was, there, was some, there was noticeably more lag, but still easily playable. Like, it, you know, it wasn't 5 MS. It was more like 15, 25, 35, something like that. But the latest tests for Google were at 200. And if anybody understands latency, that's insane. That's mm -hmm. insane. So some games just will not. And I know they said, oh, here's Doom. But will Doom have a different version on Google streaming? Absolutely possible. Absolutely possible that the version of Doom Eternal on a streaming service will have completely different speeds of enemies. Uh, will it have aim assist? These are small things we see on console, let alone on a streaming service. So will it even be the same exact experience? Mm -hmm. I don't think it will. Right. But Good point. that's just me. Well, we'll see. Uh, I think they said they're announcing more at E3, or no? Did they say E3? I don't. I think they yeah, said they did. Later. They said later, and then somebody did say that they have something at E3, but it doesn't okay. sound like it's the major rollout. They did say 2019 for a release of some kind. Yeah, so, so we'll have our answers price wise. I, I feel like that they're also new, so I expected them to make some kind of like just yeah 
errors in the terms of like they're not familiar with something so you know maybe not coming out and and like we've established microsoft and and xbox or i'm sorry microsoft and xbox microsoft sony nintendo Mm -hmm. you know show us it don't just talk about it and google being new to the whole realm just showed like hey look at this thing look how it works um but not as you know a here's the model here's when you can get it it left us in the dark on a lot of stuff yeah Price, is, price and input latency are two of the biggest, and I'm just blown away. Microsoft mm-hmm. covered those the very next day at GDC, which I would assume, most likely, was because Google didn't. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft probably would have anyway because they're technical, but I have a feeling... I mean, even Phil Spencer, did you see the leaked email Phil Spencer sent out? Oh, the, no. the day Google did that, Phil Spencer sent an email to his team and is like, well, there we go. That's a competition. We know what we've got, so we're set. And so whatever Microsoft has, seem, they seem pretty heady. That it's going to be, and what I saw on their servers was like 10 to 25 millisecond input latency, which is already for a lot of gamers, competitive shooters, Apex is going to be the choice that they go with is a hardware software solution, not Mm -hmm. just software. Software is crazy, Maddie. Right now, dude, I don't even want Chrome open. Chrome uses so much fucking fucking memory already on my PC. Like the idea of trying to get a game to work perfectly, extensions to not fuck it up. I don't know. Seems like a lot. Yeah. We shall see in due time, but for now, we shall shift over to another change in our industry. Oh, no, time. I have to ask you something. Oh, go I'm for sorry. It. No, Maddie, go for it. you said when you travel, you want your laptop, which I totally get, but have you ever gone to a hotel with good internet? Because I haven't yet. One time. Oh, Actually, no shit. Where? Where LA, was that? In LA. No shit. Okay. It was, uh, okay. In 2017. Um,. Mm-hmm. It was. It starts with an O, I think. I can't remember it right now, but I yeah, it was the only time because I went back there. This is the hilarious part. I went back there because I wanted to go to cover E3, and mm-hmm. the, inter- the internet was shit again. I don't know what yeah. happened, but Dude, I had like I had like thirty up, hundred down, like crazy. Oh, no yeah. shit! Like yeah, you really, piped into like the employee internet or something. I must have. Like I got I got really lucky, man. Bug on my wall. I've had horrendous issues on the events I've gone to where even like uploading a video is going to be all night mm. where you're like, okay, I have a video for GDC. I'm going to start it uploading and it's going to be, I had that issue. you know, yeah, it's going to be an entire night in, in 2018's E3. I was like, oh, did you? Yep. I was just like, oh God, like I, I had to <laughs> schedule shit in advance and, and try to yeah. like, <laughs> like, fuck this. <laughs> it's so bad. All right. Uh, now we actually will officially shift over to a big change in our industry, which is state of play. So everyone's become quite familiar with the Nintendo Direct, pretty much a 30-minute show that just a bunch of announcements come from Nintendo, and they do the Nindy Showcase. And now it seems like with Xbox having inside Xbox, now PlayStation is joining the pack with state of play, which is starting this coming Monday. Monday. Yeah. At 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, I personally will be streaming my reactions live. I'm sure you will be. Yeah, me too. A lot of people will be curious about it. Apparently, new announcements for PS4 and PSVR. Um, and this this seems between between this and PSX. My thought process was, what was the point of E3? You shared on Twitter. Well, there's smaller companies who can really capitalize on this. So, yeah. I yeah, I'm not one of those uh, doom and gloom E3 naysayers who's like, you know, it's it's gone. It's it's ancient. Because I very much share your path of thought, but I, I feel like um, it's definitely 
on its way out is not the right way to say it. I feel like it's such a staple, and, and so many fans idolize it, that it will always be a thing, even if it turns into a fan convention. But mm-hmm. I don't think it will be the, the big three like we're used to seeing as often anymore. At least in PlayStation. I don't think PlayStation's coming back. I really don't. Just because yeah, I mean, they got their it's... own show. They might, but you know what? They might come back next year because if they plan on launching a console next fall, then yeah, they exactly. need something to announce at a venue in the middle of the year. I think they also want to control their message because their last E3 was horrendous. They had all mm-hmm. the technical issues. They had that guy cussing out the other Sony employee. Like, that was a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, Microsoft's had multiple failures. Nintendo's had multiple failures there where they, their E3s haven't hit. Um, I think the last one or two um, who stay will see a huge bo- boon because journalists who would normally be covering three are covering two, who would normally be covering three are covering one, depending on how many drop out. But then you have those B companies, those smaller double A's, Piranha Bytes, which you know I just happen to be a fan of. Um, we're going to talk about another game that's coming out. You know, We have these abilities for some of these, hopefully not an EA or an Activision, but more like uh, a Deep Silver uh, Devolver Digital. I bet THQ see... Nordic would do something. They THQ got Nordic. So many IPs to work with. Yeah. So see them. I see them being able to fill it so that it's a. This is going to sound weird. So that it's a game. So it's a game conference versus what it has been, which is more of a showy conference. Microsoft dropping a Forza 4 car, a real Lamborghini <laughs> behind Phil's. Whatever. Like, yeah. I, I get it. People are nerds, but damn. Right, you could have spent those fifteen seconds showing another game, or a, a more, another game more in depth. So to me, I I totally see Microsoft has their own event already. Sony's already had PSX, whatever their conference in February yeah. has always been. Um, but I think this is groundswell kind of thing where they can get people talking about it. It's like, look at us, we've got a podcast. Microsoft, Microsoft has a podcast. They're late to the game. I think it makes total sense. Streaming on Twitch makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Or YouTube, I think, is what, where they're doing this one. Um, yeah, it makes sense for them, but I think it also, I'm really excited for Remedy. They could show, look, what if Remedy is like, we're going to partner with Microsoft and show Control, but on the big screen because Microsoft doesn't have to worry about Sony being there, so they have more time. Or, you know, there's, there's these things that can come out of it for smaller companies that I'm actually really excited for. I just don't want to see Activision take fucking, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. I, that would disturb me a little bit. But What level of announcements do you expect from PlayStation, which we assumed would be a very mm. quiet year from them? What level of announcement do you expect at this? Because that's the one thing I had a really tough time gauging. I was like, do they come out and say, like, okay, we got The Last of Us coming this, this month. We got Ghost of Tsushima coming this month. Does it work mm-hmm. that way, or do you think they're just going to make smaller announcements that kind of decorate their year almost like a, uh, even though I didn't think any announcements Nintendo made were small, but kind of like what Nintendo did with the recent Direct? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think the recent Direct is probably a good example of how they'll do it, because I do think that Sony still has that ability to just use fan. The The, the thing that I was, when gro- growing up, it was like 100% of yourself is fine, but if you can get 1% of 100 people, then... You can do a lot more, and I think that their fans cover them in some way. So they can show some stuff, and the fans take over from that point, and suddenly they're rabid and talking about it. So I don't see Sony as like having to do any big announcements. They, I'm sure they will have one or two, because mm-hmm. they want people to know it's a big deal. 
But I would say Sony is the one company that just can let their fans, and they've and they've earned it because of their exclusives for sure. But it can let their fans just sort of do it, like Nintendo, where Nintendo's like, here's Smash, but it's not only Smash. How long was that fucking moment they showed Smash? Sixteen minutes or something, mm-hmm. just all Smash. So I could see Sony saying, here's Ghost of Tsushima, yeah. and having a good long, especially because Sekiro's out, having a good long you know, longer demo maybe. Right. Some real deep gameplay and causing a lot of people to have a lot of interest just with that. Yeah, because they said, I think, PS4 announcements and PSVR. Yeah. So we'll probably PSVR get, is big yeah, for them. I don't think we'll get... What it will... I've heard... I should start with this. I've heard speculation, and just speculation, by the way, that uh, Ghost of Tsushima would be a... Uh, a PS5 title because they kind of like showed it and looked really good, like good in the sense of like, holy shit, how is that world real? Um, right. And they didn't give us like any type of window and it sort of fell off the map after that. Like just no talk, no tease, no nothing about that game. And so some have speculated, okay, maybe that's a PS5 title. So I think what this conference can do is let's say they come out and they talk about the last of us part two and they're like, come in fall this year, which, you know, I hope, I doubt, but I really hope that would be amazing. Um, and we see nothing of ghosts, then I I think that would be an indicator of where they're at with PS5 as well. Because I can't imagine they do something like this and they don't talk about those games. I I would say knowing Sucker Punch and what they've shown on the PS4 the day, pretty much the day it came out with uh, Second Son... Mm-hmm. how amazing graphically that was. I didn't see anything in Ghost that indicates it has to be a PS5 title. So, so, no. I, I but, like but the I, wind and all the foliage moving and, and, and all the stuff happening on screen, the particle effects and the action and the panorama. I was like, oh, sh- this seems kind of different. Think it, it, it does, but Sucker Punch is pretty fucking... Go look at Second Sun. It looks better than most games released right now. Yeah. Um, like they're really... Also. Either do I. Not that much, but still. Mm-hmm. It's still graphically, it's impressive mm-hmm. as fuck. Um, I personally feel that uh, a lot of people said the same thing about Cyberpunk. They were like, oh, this definitely can't be done on current systems. Of course it can. You just There's a concession you have to make, which is your draw distance and your FPS in particular resolution. Um, I, I could see them certainly holding it. I mean, they've, they held Last Guardian from the PS3 all the way to the PS4. Uh-huh. So they could certainly do it. Um, but I personally believe that there's no reason for them to not sh- show Ghost. Uh, they could say, here's the difference between the two, and here's Ghost on PS4, and here it is on a mock-up of the dev kit for PS5, maybe. But I don't yeah, know if you ever want to do that, because then you're always sort of hurting your current market. You know, your current yeah. market looks at it and goes, yeah, we're, ah. We're going to be entering that phase soon where you're, you're in, we the, are. uh, in between, you know, where you're yep. going to start seeing the PS4 and 5 versions in the, in the Xbox. I don't know if Xbox will have something kind of like that because it's all in unison. They've kind of established like the, the one, the X, the original, you know, you can play on whatever. It doesn't matter. So I don't know if they'll have as much of an issue as, as I wouldn't even say an issue, but, but like labeling, right? Yeah, right. It's not like, you know, you can grab the PS5 disc and slap it in your PS4. Unless right. they decide to do something, I don't know how, but um, I don't know if it would require a firmware update or something, or if that's even possible. Yeah, I mean, it, it just all depends on exactly what how the, how far a company wants to move their next tech. 
to. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at patents, both of them are sort of going with the same route that they've already gone, which and they'll both be backwards compatible. So which is great. We'll see a like we'll fully... see a good jump. Yeah, it's great. Wow. What were you saying? No, I was asking. Do you mean like a PS5 would be able to play like four, three, yeah. two, one? Uh, four at least. Three is hard because you have the cell processors cell, yep. and trying to get um un, trying to get the Jaguar mobile PCs to mimic those is just the same as tr people were trying to get the Xbox 360. It's on its video card. It had a little tiny ROM of of RAM or a little tiny chip of RAM. And Phil Spencer even said when they told him they might be able to get backwards compatibility working, he was like, "Not with that little chip." And that was yeah. one chip. The fucking PS2 or PS3, sorry had all these cell processors. Mm -hmm. um, so I would assume not too far back, I think it's more of a moving forward kind of thing, where it's like, okay, yeah. from now on, your PS5 will play your PS4. Dude, they would be, if they don't, they are in deep shit, because Game Pass, enhanced backwards compatible, has already shown some incredible improvements in some games. I mean, even KOTOR looks better. Hell yeah. So, right? So, like, you have, that is, I think gamers are demanding that when Spider-Man comes out, or sorry, when PS5 comes out, they can throw Spider-Man in, and you know, is it like, yeah, is it like 4K absolutely locked with extra anti-aliasing? Like, I think most gamers expect that, especially when PC and the prices get dip sometimes well, they should, to the because that's kind of the you know, nature of a PC in general. You know, yeah, you, you buy a new low, like, medium, high, ultra, yeah. yeah. It makes it makes sense logically speaking. I just hope that they actually support that. So do I, because if they don't, I mean, if they even if they say streaming is the only way you're going to be able to backwards compatible with the PS4, there's an, they're in a disaster zone. Their network is not prepped for that. No. And there hasn't PS been. PS now just, I, I've tested it. That's it, what I meant, yeah. It, it just, <laughs> I feel like it's got to be PS4 backwards compatible, because the oh. PS now can let you download titles hard to the system. So that mm -hmm. you don't have to stream them. That's nice. And, and the reason I say that is because I, I have always speculated that um, while I know most companies are like, why should we give them more if they're willingly paying for less? As in, like, you look at PS Now, they took away PS3 and Vita games. They're giving you less for your money now, effectively. And a lot of people have speculated, myself included, what if they packaged in PS Now alongside exactly. a PS Plus uh, subscription? That would be that would be fantastic. But, you know, I, I think if they were to do that and, and then announce it on the PS5, yeah, like, you know, for example, let's say they didn't do backwards compatibility, but they're like, if you pay for your PS Plus like you always have, you also now get PS Now. You can download PS4 games, you know, because for something, I don't know, something with the discs or whatever is why it's stopping them. I know there's a, a bunch of tech mumbo jumbo out there that I'm not aware of. But point being is, you know, I, I feel like that could be their future too, and, and, and it's kind of indicated by the changes they've made with PS Now that they're trying to at least mimic some of what if Xbox is doing um, and responding in some sense. So I, I feel like it'd be crazy to imagine they don't do it. Yeah, I would be... I I just don't know of anybody who would think that both companies are not going to go fully backwards compatible right. in the hardware itself. Even if it's just digital and the disc can't read, which we see Blu-ray players still reading DVDs and CDs. So I think that'd be crazy that they couldn't. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I would be blown the fuck away if they were like PS5 and it's not backwards compatible. In fact, I would assume, especially with Game Pass being such a hit and it having backwards compatible and that being such a hit and Microsoft every week is like, these three new games are backwards compatible. Yeah, these three Vampire. new games. Vampire. Dude, it's it's insane. And so I just feel like 
it's at this point now, any other company has to look and say, man, if we're going to jump into this, we have to, we have to have it. Like mm -hmm. we just have to. And I don't see them not doing it. I just feel like it sells your console more. You may see a PS5 launch and I, I don't know how. I feel like they're going to have some really strong PS5 launch titles. But let's say nothing sells someone. They can go, oh, well, this PS4 game, though, this looks good. Yep. And you can get it for a cheaper yep. price. It just, I feel it easily. It, I feel like a company's job is almost to encourage the impulse buy, right? And yeah. I think that's what Xbox is really catered to quite a bit. Like, oh, hey, you can get our system for 200 bucks, And if you pay 10 bucks a month, you can access to dozens and dozens and dozens of games. And, and they're fucking good games at that. Um, and I'm saying that because Vampire is there now and KOTOR, so that's great. Um, but, you know, with PlayStation, if they could cater to that as well with a packaged-in PS Now, for example, um, and the support of backwards compatibility, I think it would easily sell their system as well. And it would almost I also even the playing oh, field. Between, no, no, you're good. I'm just saying I think it would almost even the playing field between Microsoft and uh, Sony a bit in the sense of when they start off this new console war. Sorry, I hate to fucking use that term, but I just feel... Only way to describe it. Yeah, and I think that also... Um, so Microsoft enhanced. Those titles look amazing. Not every one is enhanced. I would assume you might see Sony say something along the lines of every single PS4 game is enhanced in whatever way because Microsoft started this as a project, not as a complete docket, like not as something that was for sure going to happen on the Xbox One. They didn't even know if it was going to be possible. Um so I could see them doing that, but I could also see of all the developers, even more than Microsoft, I could see Sony doing something like this. Like, we have contacted every PS4 developer, and if you play a backwards compatible game, there's new achievement mm -hmm. or something. You know, to get people to go back. I mean, because achievements, despite me not liking them, I could absolutely see that selling somebody. Like, Spider-Man, go back and play it. And now you can get blah, 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 blah. Or a developer can make new skins for older games. That's another thing. A developer can support their games longer, too. Mm -hmm. They don't have to have a console generation where they're now no longer able to make, you know, characters for their game because a new console's come out. And that game... I mean, dude, DCU, DC Online is still supported. So I think a lot of companies are probably looking at that and going, yeah, man, it needs to be backwards compatible so we yeah. can support the games moving forward. Yeah, it's it's trying to add more legacy to games and life, and it's not like once one console generation ends, a new one fully begins, but almost like a continuation, yeah. so to speak. I, I was it's actually a self. Just, I, I, it like it hit me in the middle of uh, us chatting the 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 leaked email. I wanted to read what Phil Spencer had written, and it's it's interesting because you know how you like Phil Spencer's got that kind of persona about him. Yeah, almost, and and it's kind of interesting to read a business email within the company, mm -hmm. and he's still the same guy almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's been. I was. That's what I was trying to explain to Colin. Was the one thing I think that's different about Phil than everybody else is he's been there, like mm -hmm. twenty years, and so I think he sees long game better than most. Yeah. Like, and honestly, there's probably no reason to fake being anybody else. Mm -hmm. Like even Jack Trenton said at Sony, there were certain things he could or couldn't say, and I'm sure. Microsoft has some rules, but he's pretty much in charge. And it's just like, all right, and I'm in charge because of the way I am. So I'm going to be the way I am. Mm -hmm. He's like, Pi Pi. He's like, the way I am what I am. <laughs> he's just <laughs> does, he just does it, man. It's, which, I mean, they're all different. But I think even Reggie, I don't know about you, but I felt that Nintendo held Reggie back at times. Yeah. Like, 
there were times where you could tell when like Jeff Keighley would ask him a question back in the game trailers days or whatever that channel was where some, yeah, yeah. And I can, and, and it feels to me like we're, the hesitation is sort of gone at least on Microsoft's side. Sony has a little bit of an issue because they keep hiring new CEOs. Yeah. They replace the evil Bond villain with uh, the guy with somebody. I can't even remember his name. And I think that those guys take a while to sort of get the trust of the people below them and right. you know, right, right, right. Sh- show what they can do. All right. Well, State of Play is Monday. Carrick and I will be reacting on Twitch Live if you want to check us out. And next on the list is a really awesome announcement. Uh, came as you know a what? surprise to a lot of people. What's up? I'm going to ask you something real quick. If we're let's talk about it offline, but if you're doing it and I'm doing it, instead of cannibalizing, do you have anybody invited yet? No. Stay Maybe together. we should just I yeah, and I have no real problem. We can either do it both on your channel and then you can do one for me later. Um, or we can we could both stream, but that I'm thinking maybe instead of cannibalizing, because it's going to be identical times with a good number of overlapping mm-hmm. subscribers. Or let's talk about it off off camera and okay. figure and figure something out, because that seems to me like it might make it might make more sense. I apologize. Okay. Continue. No, no, you're good. That's a good idea. One announcement that came as a surprise to many, but uh, if you're paying attention to a little alternate reality game ARG for those who don't know the abbreviation. Uh, this surprise, or this isn't much of a surprise, rather. Vampire the Masquerade yes. Bloodlines 2 is indeed real. Uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. thought it was actually going to just be called like another Vampire the Masquerade whatever. But this is indeed mm. a sequel to Bloodlines. Um, and what's really cool about this announcement is they actually confirmed Chris Avalon will be writing for the title, which, you know, that's huge for any game, I feel. But more importantly, I'd say, is the original director. Yep of bloodlines is working on this game which i think is a very very important thing so you've got a really good rpg writing talent on top of the original director and visionary of bloodlines which can really help out a lot for those who don't know bloodlines is one of those kind of like golden age rpgs a lot of people adore it replayed it a billion times you know it's, it's a lot of people's favorite game ever and now we finally have confirmation that this game is real and coming Q1 2020, I believe they had said. Now, when it was revealed, it came with a trailer that was not gameplay, uh, but represented hmm. ideas in the gameplay. And what's weird about this is that for some, they may go, oh, not a big deal, you know, whatever, no gameplay. At least I got my Masquerade Bloodlines too. But the thing here is that there was a press event where people had played the game before the reveal and so there clearly is a functional version of the game that is available for testing and the press walked out and really positive stuff like high praise for this game like i want to play more i want to or a lot of i want to sink my teeth into it puns were being dropped um but yeah it, it seemed like a lot of people really enjoyed it and I, I find that kind of surprising that they took that route with a when they had a playable version um that they made a, a completely separate uh, non-gameplay trailer. But anyway, Carrick, you, you were tweeting up a storm about this game, man. So let's hear it. Why are you pumped for this game so much? Because it's exactly what we talked about. There's like no, the original at least, no pussification. It was like, if you chose Nosferatu as your clan, if people don't know what that is, he's, it genuinely looks like the old black and white movie Nosferatu. Evil looking, bald, freakish creature. You couldn't even go outside 
Because mm-hmm. if you went outside the sewers, people would be like, dude, you look fucked up. And if you were Malkavian, which are the artistic vampires, you could talk to street signs and go crazy. Like you had these moments where you were talking to inanimate objects because those that vampire line is is nuts. Everything about that was based on storytelling and not allowing you or not making you feel like everybody was washed over. Like whatever vampire you choose, you can always you can always get around this one thing. You absolutely couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I would personally say, and this is going out on a limb, but I would say it out Deus Ex, Deus Ex, in the fact that Deus Ex had usually three to four ways to get through. Heavy firepower, thought-provoking, in some way bribing, or, you know, high money, I guess is what you'd call it. Uh, Fuck, man. With Bloodlines, there were so many ways to do so many different things that, to me, I feel like that is what they will probably end up doing. And they'll be like, we are going... Now, there might be some casual market stuff where they're like, okay, we don't want somebody who's chosen this character to not be able to do it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't I don't really need somebody to be locked out of a choice as much as it to be a very difficult one if they choose to go the wrong route right. for whatever character they've chosen. Right. Um, everything about it excites me. I did not know anything about the impression, so I'll have to go look. Um, I, I did hear that right there now. was an... Av- okay, who can, who was that? So right now I have IGNs up. Um, okay. And they're actually saying they saw a lengthy live demo of the game, okay. which would mimic what I saw of Cyberpunk prior to its reveal. Um, while you keep going, I'm going to bring up multiple impressions. So we can kind of mimic what we did with uh, Days Gone and you know peruse through these impressions and get a general idea of the consensus for this game. So another thing that they talked about is they are doing somewhat the same of the blood... Um, uh, the blood drinking that Vampire did. If you drink blood from different people, you get different memories and different mm-hmm. data from them. So, like, let's say you need the code for a door. Technically, you might be able to drink blood from a person who's, like, a security guard who might know the code for that door. Or you might be able to drink the blood of somebody who, like, knows how to blackmail somebody who has the code for a door. There's all these different things that that game already we know has. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, to me, like, I could not be more excited. I also think... I also think it'll be interesting to see because vampires aren't really big right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle a time frame where the emo goth time frame isn't as big of a deal. It was very punkish. They've based it in Seattle, which yeah, I think I works cool. really well. I yeah, like I think that works really well. Um, it will be very interesting also to see how they take current social climate and stuff because that was a big deal in that. And, mm-hmm. and so I want to know, like, do they... You know, the current political climate, like, where are the vampires? What are they doing? Have they been hunted? Do humans know about them? There's going to be all these different things that I think Chris can probably handle quite well, but also the director of the original knows exactly what he was trying to deliver in that, delivered it, and now doing this, man, it's, like, honestly super exciting for me. Right. Because it's one of my favorite games. Yeah, and uh, you'll be happy to learn that while I know a lot of us do not have trust in the mainstream media, um, that the general impressions were actually like ver- like not just you know days gone good, but like very, very positive. Uh, IGN had actually said uh, John Ryan, by the way, for those who are wondering, okay. um, said 
that I got to see a lengthy live demo of the game and speak to some of the creative team before its reveal at GDC 2019, and I was thrilled to see that Bloodlines 2 looks like it might give even the biggest, most anticipated RPGs of the, of the next few years a run for their money, which I think is pretty bold to say. Um, let's get into some, like, you know, instead of just here it looks good because all these I brought up, like, I haven't found a negative one. Like, I was looking for a negative one that whole time just to see, like, someone who was like, yeah, it was all right, or like, oh, it looks okay. But uh, genuinely, people seem to really enjoy it. Uh, the core aspects that have made up the original are still there. He plays a newly embraced vampire, trying to survive the secrets of a vampire world with werewolves as well. Um, you're also trying to maintain a grasp on your humanity, which becomes harder and harder. You've also managed, uh, you've also got to manage all this while keeping it hidden from human sight. Maintain the titular masquerade. Uh, so yes, Bloodlines 2 is undoubtedly the successor of the original. Um, it's developed by Hard Suit Labs. Um, like you said, it is in present-day Seattle. Um, it's a modern Gothic aesthetic, creating a dreary yet vibrant world that I'm excited to explore for myself. Uh, let's see here. Great thing about the... Hold on, let's see here. I'm trying to find like some hardcore you know, gameplay details. I found one okay. on IGN. It says power, powers can still be obtained. So you start out as a thin blood, which for people who don't know, basically means... Um, you're sort of a mongrel when it comes to the vampire clan. So you don't have a clan starting out. Mm -hmm. The story progresses till you choose a clan, and then at that point, powers can, can be obtained. It'll be up to you as a player to decide later in the adventure which of the clan to join and which uh, disciplines you're going to want to learn. Your starting abilities allow you to choose one to three vampiric powers that further enhance mobility, combat effectiveness, and so on. Um, and from then on, you have a separate skill tree per clan. Mm, that kind of so that's a very almost cool. sounds like an expansion of uh vampire you know how vampire had like the, the multiple yes. trees but this yep. one ties into social elements which is really good um let's see here i'm i'm, I'm right below where you're at uh they actually describe some powers they said the cairo terran yeah ability, i couldn't read that okay yeah, go for it. ability Allows you to float or even fly, some might say like a bat, oh. for short to medium distances. Nebulation, the power we saw the least of, but uh, by far was the one I'm most curious about, curious about, lets you turn into mist and sneak through air ducts or surprise awesome. your enemies. And there was also mentalism, which, what game have I heard mentalism in recently? I think it was a board game, which uh, seems to basically... Just be another word for telekinesis. You can interact with and man manipulate physical objects without really touching them. We actually see something like this in the trailer. We see our character running through the streets. Mm -hmm. You stick out their hand, they pick up a sledgehammer. So there is that in the game. I really like the sound of those because the, the sneaking through the ducts in Mist actually seems to almost resemble uh, a dishonored feel. Like, uh, there's multiple approaches. Because the way I look at it is there's always going to be the front door. There's always going to be the 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 big, open, combat-focused way of going in. If you're including crawling through ducks, then there's likely a way to stealth through this game, which is really cool. Um, you know, one of my one of my fondest memories with uh, the original Masquerade the Bloodlines, or the Masquerade Bloodlines, was um, when I was I broke into the, the hospital... Mm -hmm. And, you know, without even touching a soul, just, like, crawling through the entire place, like, lockpicking, reading computer terminals. I think I had to get a blood sample in there or something. It, you just, did. You had to get the blood sample. Something like that, man. That's, that was just really cool to see. I, I really like that. You know, Santa Monica, 
uh, just holds a cool place in my heart. I don't want to say special, but it's just it's such a cool location. Um, yeah, and I, I, I mean, people don't realize World of Darkness is considered by many to be like only secondary to, to D and D. So like World of Darkness, if you look at its world, it's got, this is the third revolution of the books. I don't know which one they're basing it on. If it's the older generation, the newer, what have you, it doesn't really matter. Most of it, a lot of it's the same. But um, the amount of data in there, well, to give you an example, two TV shows have based themselves on World of Darkness. Like, it's that big. Vampire Diaries did and Vampire the Masquerade, the TV show that was on Fox did until the lead died. Right. So, like, it's very popular. Huge, huge IP, which I think is cool. Um, here, this comes from Video Games 24-7. I'm about to read uh, about two paragraphs. Uh, and, and I skimmed over this, so if I repeat anything, which it sounds like I might a little bit about the Thin Blood stuff, just hear it out. Uh, in the first game, you start out by picking the clan with Bloodlines 2 because you're starting as a Thin Blood, as Carrick said. We give you some backgrounds to what your human self was before being embraced. They don't so much have a direct influence on gameplay. There are a few minor influences like dialogue options, but we were really interested in following the progression and having the roleplay experience be there for the player to get a handle on that side of the game before they get a handle on the political clan oriented side of it. Uh, the gameplay becomes very different later in the game because you've chosen a clan. You grow into it and consciously choose your clan after you've explored them. So it's an informed decision. So it sounds like, you know, they, they kind of almost inform you like there's going to be a branch here. Pick one. You're stuck with it. Um, it's roughly the first third of the game that can be described as a character creator. Our demo didn't get that far ahead, but there were glimpses of decision-making that I'm told will form paths throughout the game, informing your abilities as well as story until the very end game. Who or what to feast on and how openly will set your character up morally and physically. So I kind of like that line of the first third of the game being almost described as a character creator where you're seemingly getting a feel for things. Um, because what it allows is for that feeling, I think we, we often discussed Pyre as where you're playing the game, you're about six hours in, you're like, wow, this is cool. And then it opens up in a whole new way and you go, oh, there's all this now. And it's a whole different experience. And I think it would be really cool to see this game start off, give us a feel for things. And then all of a sudden you're hit with a choice of three, four, whatever they said, different branching paths, each that have story ramifications and change how you play the game. Furthermore, I think this this could actually positively impact the game because you know it adds replayability. But I also wonder if that's like the only hardcore choice, right? That's the only thing I get a little bit concerned about. Um, this is a grown-up, sophisticated game. Yes, you have an impact and you have power if you want to use it, but you don't have to flip a switch and everything changes. It's not one of those kind of games. So, kind of the edge you were looking for there. It sounds like but that's just mm -hmm. an interview. Uh, one of the things we wanted from the beginning was choices represented temporarily throughout the game, adds Clooney. Uh, you have choices that you make in the beginning that are going to affect the end. You don't just play the game, pick a door, and then go back to the last save and pick a different door. Those choices are inextricable, I think I said that right, over the course of the game. If you want everything to change, you have to go back to the first 15 minutes. You can see the thing you did there that affects what you're, where you're at and what you're doing. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, let's see here. Now we're on rock, paper, shotgun. Uh, this is a big deal. And to announce we're making a sequel for Bloodlines, we need to make sure we're doing a good job. 
Um, for anybody who had played the first one, Sen Mitsoda, who was the director of the first game, uh, they're going they're going to start playing and immediately feel at home, which I think is really important. So that's good to hear. Uh, the beginning is familiar, according to Rock Paper Shotgun's report, uh, in a way that made me kick my feet like an excited toddler, just like the first mm-hmm. bloodlines. You know, it talks about pretty much what we had just gone over. Um, a lot of the story is talking about real-world issues of Seattle trying to keep its identity, he said, but also changing for the 21st century and, and the conflict brought into the game between the factions representing that. Um, let me run through some things you definitely want to know. It's still called the Masquerade, so if you eat someone in public or turn a bat in front of a bar, you'll get in trouble, not only with the police, but also some of the beefier supernatural watchdogs. The humanity system returns, so killing innocents brings you closer to Inner Beast. It's first person, but yeah, you can customize your character, including choosing pronouns separately from your body type. And this time, you can choose a human background that might affect how you approach problems or talk to people. Two examples I was given were a cop and coroner, but if you want a basic start with no bonuses, you can be a barista which Mitsota described as the default class in Seattle. Of course it is. <laughs> right. Um, they would not confirm or deny if there's still a late night talk radio show, but Mitsota said that they're trying to keep that bloodlines feeling and that there definitely might be something like that. So maybe mm-hmm. a podcast. Uh, I also asked if we might see some familiar faces because it took three seconds for me to convince myself that a blurry silhouette I glimpsed for half a moment was Nina's Rodriguez, all I can say is that this still is set in the same universe, so could be, said Mitsoda. So it seems like, you know, a direct continuation in the sense of, you know, they're, they're going to be carrying some characters over, which which is pretty exciting for folks. Uh, th- this is probably the best write-up of them all, so I'm just going to keep reading it. Combat looks uh, orders a magnitude better than the original, including throat-punching melee attacks, a backflip over the top of an enemy, and grabbing guns on an ad hoc basis. Uh, there was a very nice animation of the character finding out their shotgun was empty and tossing it aside, but I was assured that beyond the tutorial level, there are opportunities to avoid combat by figuring a way around in the environment. We are encouraged to look at the world as a vampire, i.e. 15-foot high walls are easily scaled, chairs can be mind-levitated away from doors, vents can be traversed as a cloud of smoke, Yes, you can also try to talk your way out of a tense situation, of course. But because I'm not an aforementioned lame nerd, I'll be picking seduction to do that every time. Okay, so the personal opinion's in there. Um, There'll also be branching narratives and a ton of side quests. This time you can choose which faction you work for instead of being pushed into working for Camarilla, the stuck-up narcs. But you might also annoy one faction so much that they refuse to work for you. A lot of people preferred when they could just go out into the world, do side quests, and get reactivity to what they were doing, said Mitsoda. Those micro stories that littered all of the game. So definitely there's going to be a lot of reactivity and branching in the story. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I'd say if you're looking for a really dense write-up that really packs in everything you want to know, Head to rockpapershotgun.com, read their preview. Definitely the best one of them all. So, Carrick, anything that I said there stick out to you? Something that you're, you're excited about in particular? Um, no, no, I, I try, especially lately, like with previews, <laughs> I try to sort of keep an open mind that some of them are just excited because they were paid to be there. Not mm-hmm. paid money, but like Services. they were shipped there. So it's like, it, it's great that they're all positive, all positive. I'll hold off to see. I think. I mean, overall, I would. 
I, I don't know. Like, I never know with previews because they're always, I always take them with a grain of salt, but it seems like right. everybody's pretty positive, which is awesome. Um, I think with Vampire having come out, they probably understand, like, a little bit better how to do it because you're, I mean, obviously, I think they're going to take a lot of stuff for Vampire that worked. It sounds even like they're doing that, <laughs> which I think is very cool. Um, like, no, I'm just overall really excited for it because I do like that game world. It is my favorite, probably my favorite professionally made game world. I like, I mean, I, I literally know like the God, how the gods created things. Like, it's pretty, pretty nerdy when it comes to that world. So I am insanely excited, especially to see how they handle the other supernatural creatures. Um, if you have any battles, it is called the masquerade. So I'm assuming it won't be like underworld where you're in fucking gun battles all the time in a subway and pretend no one see you. But I, the idea of like mixing things up sounds cool. I'm hoping with, I, with crit. So writing was never its weak point. That's for sure. I think the combat was in the first one, like yeah. they said. So to me, it's just like, if it's third person, um, there's a couple things they could learn from Vampire on what to do and what not to do. Mm -hmm. So, like, that entices me. There's not really a lot of information in those because they seem to repeat each, you know, they sort yeah. of, it sounds almost like they're repeating a PR do document. Like, you're the thin blood, blah, blah, blah. But I just overall, I'm super excited for it, man. I'm such a huge fan. I mean, honestly, not KOTOR level. But I'm gonna be say, I'm gonna say it's in the same ballpark as like a Kotor three for me. Like wow. le legitimately, I just love that game world. So and I love the original prior to the patch that made it even better. Good stuff. So good for you. Yeah, man. you know, I can't I'm wait. Kind of like a late bloomer on on fanship for that one. So that's awesome, man. I'm glad you're that pumped for it. Last on our list is Sekiro. Now, I, I was uh, given a code by Activision. I have yet to start it. Um, Carrick, you've been playing it lately. And um, mm -hmm. we, we kind of, this was the game we were alluding to earlier about like NPCs kind of decorated around the area, sort of standing there waiting for you to show up, uh, for those who are wondering. Yeah. But, um, Carrick, since you've played it mostly, you give your thoughts. I will respond to said thoughts. Let's hear it. I just think that. Um... I think it's okay that people give from software uh, leeway uh, and possibly maybe too much at times. Right. It, they, I would say Sekiro is definitely a example of that. Um, there is a lot of oddities that occur in that game mm -hmm. that if it were somebody else, that some that other developer, would, people would be like, what the fuck? So let's say it was Surge 2. Let's say it was those devs. Um, who released the exact same game, I think you would hear more complaints. I was also pretty disappointed to see a lot of people review it have, after only playing like seven hours. Right. It's an insanely long game. I heard like 50 and plus. Yeah, well, yeah, and I mean, four, 30, 40, if you're, like, if, if you're good and you know, you, you're timing things right and you do certain things, but easily 50, uh, depending on difficulty or how good you are, because the game is nothing like the prior games. It's nothing like Bloodborne. In, in how you activate combat, it, it's still aggressive like Bloodborne. Um, it's not like Dark Souls. There's no summoning. There's no grinding that you can do. Um, their rolling has no iframes. You're never immune. So th it's all about parries. Um, but I will say that I did notice a lot of issues that I was really disappointed people didn't bring up, only for the fact that I want From to improve. Because 
I think that they, there's some stuff, especially after coming off of Neo, that I was really surprised they did not do in this game because you never, you feel like a samurai. You do. Okay. But not as much as you would think. Neo made you feel like a martial artist. It made you feel like uh, nunchucks, fucking Kirisagama, samurai sword, combos. This one is, it's the from combat. So it's like circling around a dude and slashing him once, circling around a dude. You really have to train yourself to not try to, let's say, look like Devil May Cry because you get your ass kicked. There's no style in this versus Devil May Cry. There's very particular things you have to do. Um, there's some wonky stuff that occurred. Like, there's a couple bad guys that I'm surprised they're not tre- trending on Twitter. I said this yesterday. There's a couple bosses that I'm not lying. I could reach out my hand and touch you and grab you. That's how bad their collision detection is. Like, it's insane. Um, where they would grab me and they were on a completely different fucking level. But just because the game wanted them to grab me because I didn't perform the proper dodge type because it tracks that. Uh... They, oh, I, he issue. would grab me anyway. That's a big um, they also can spin in that's place. God, you know what game did that? And it's not like a Souls game, but God of War did that. And that was it did. something, remember? I was like, it was yep. really horribly explo- exposed in the Valkyrie boss fights. I was like, no yes. one's talking about it. And then, yeah, so sorry. I mean, interrupt, but go on. Oh, no, no, no. That's a really good example, because that's funny enough what Grimm was bitching about in your Discord. Oh, the okay. Valkyrie. And, and the God of War fights, because he just now played it. And one of the things that really I would like to see companies do is fix the 360 maneuverable, but still carrying momentum bad guys in a game. So, like, there's a bad guy that jumps towards you. If you, if you do what they consider to be the wrong move against him, mm-hmm. the game will freak out and just spin him in place and still carry the momentum to the end. So, like, if, you, if his jump kick travels 20 feet... And he goes 10, and instead of jumping, which is what you're supposed to do, because the game actually wants you to do that, versus dodging, if you dodge but successfully do it, the character will spin in midair and continue the other 10 feet and still hit you. And it happens with all the, all the bosses. So it can look really bad. Like, at times it can look like something really janky. And that did bother me, because this is a martial artist, you're supposed to be a samurai... The, the bad guys can beat you to the punch all the time. So you'll meet some mongrel dude with a torch and he's like can barely talk and yet he's beating you as a samurai to the punch because the game wants you to parry. That's what the entire game's about. So it seems like it's uh, there's a lot of ways to defend yourself and the game has enemies built for specific defense types. Defenses, yeah. And, and, so... and so it plasters this huge marker is there good if they're... telegraphing for these enemy attacks? Like where it's like, okay, this is one I dodge backwards. This is one I yeah, dodge. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. The ones that you need to leap for are massive. There's a massive symbol that shows up in the middle of the screen. It's the weirdest thing. I mean, huge. It's like, it, as, as one of your patrons said in the podcast today, it's like, it's plastered right there. It's like, roll, and that means jump. It's very weird. That's, now you can hmm. turn some it's of those like things off. Team with like the blocking. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. And block, um, it's like, why are you? Wow. Okay. The first two or three hours play totally different than the next seven or eight because you play about two or three hours. It's pretty open. You're using your platforming. You're using your grapple, and then it locks everything else behind bosses. So you can't go any farther unless you kill one of two bosses. One of them being I wouldn't consider broken. But 
hellacious in some technical aspects. The other being a fairly difficult boss, but I think one people can get through. But I saw somebody who writes strategy guides for Dark Souls and writes strategy guides for Bloodborne. He's like, he's like, I'm done. In the middle of his stream, he's like, I'm just done. Like, the, the shit that's going on is, hmm. like, it's not cool. And he was on, like, death 212. So it was just, so he was probably carrying in Dark Souls mentality. So that's why he was having s- a, such a difficult time, because I didn't have that Sounds difficult like you time. Sounds like with a blank slate. You have to go in with a blank slate. But even that, I noticed that there were some issues. And I was really surprised at the ratings, because what I saw, um, I think, was a lot of nostalgia blinders. Not that it's not a good game. That's the thing. It is. But I was seeing some scores, and somebody was like, I played 10 hours. And I'm like, funny enough, 10 hours is when shit starts to actually happen, where you notice this. Like, are we going to have this thing where, and we've had it before, where consumers go in, and they play, and they're like, I love it. And then they get to that certain point, Mm -hmm. and they're like, wait, why did nobody mention this? And I've looked at every review, and nobody's mentioning a couple things that I th- that already, even in my Discord, somebody got to, and they're like, why did nobody, like, what the fuck? Why did nobody mention this? I don't understand. It's not that they wouldn't have bought the game. It's that they, their expectations are higher than they should be. Mm-hmm. Your expectations should be that this is a From game. It's got a lot of the jankiness the Dark Souls games have. But its desire to make you play differently hurts it a bit more than Bloodborne. Bloodborne had micro stutter, but its frame rate wasn't as variable. This frame rate is gnarly. So it goes from like 32 to 49. So what that means is your input on your controller changes. So there's a guy that grabs you and he throws you. When he throws you, you have a quick get up. But because debris is thrown into the air and dust, the actual quick get-up, which you want to do right as he leaps at you because he atta- he follows up that attack, so that when he leaps and lands on the ground, you can attack him, actually changes because the frame rate drops. So you'll get weird issues like that where I was watching Co-Carnage. Do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was streaming today, and he's like, what is going on? Like, it changes. I swear to shit, it's not the same. Like, he's like, this, it didn't do what I was wanted to do. Like, it's not that it's hard and the timing's tight, because it's not. It's that there's a variability due to the FPS that causes the game to, at times, feel very responsive, Mm -hmm. and then at times feel not responsive at all. And I was seeing a lot of streamers talking about it this morning, where they were like, man, there is some wonky-ass shit going on that nobody ever mentioned. And it pisses me off, because if you know what you're getting... You could rate the game a nine and say, yeah, it's got these issues, but I still love it, right? That happens. There's nothing wrong with that. But instead, we got a bunch of people, and I checked the achievements. Zero percent had beat it on the Xbox when I got the game. So I don't know if anybody reviewed the Xbox version, but they didn't beat it. Um, That's that's sort of, it sets people up. Instead, give them the right expectation, right? Go like, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's got this in this feel and expect these and these problems, and then there'd be no issue. But I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of people who go in and go, what the fuck is going... Even even on subreddit, there were people like, okay, how in the fuck did this get by? Like, like Bloodborne had the same issue, I think. Yeah. Um, but this one seems to have even more because the difficulty requiring you to, to uh, parry exactly their timing... Is odd because if the frame rate's lower, the parry times will be lower because the frame rate delivery is lower. But if 
if the frame rate is like if you're in a spot where you're looking at a wall and you're fighting a guy, your frame rate will be higher speed. Gotcha. Your input will require higher speed. Mm. So there's also a weird thing that I've never seen before. Like and it stops you from getting into a rhythm almost. That's what I was going to say. That's, that's exactly it. That, that's the thing is there is, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if this is dynamic or not, but there were times where it's told me this is the way to stun this bad guy. And the stuns quite literally did not work, but they worked the very next time I tried it. And I can't tell if I missed something, if there's like, and I talked to one of the streamers who was streaming he had like 10,000 people and I'm all, is, am I missing something? Was there a tutorial that said, even though it says to do something, it sometimes just won't work. And he's like, no, not that I found, but that's exactly the issue I'm having. And that seems to be the issue everybody I'm talking to is having, is that there's a variability in the actual moves working. So, like, for example, there's one character that you stun in a very particular way. And you're supposed to stun him and attack him. That's literally, like, even the strategy guide says that now. But when you do it, sometimes it just doesn't do anything. And you're instantly killed. So it's like you could fight him, beat him, and never have that issue. Or, for reasons I can't quite grasp yet you could fight him and run into that every time hmm. and that's one of the things that i i think i would like to see from fix it's like piranha bites i'd like to see them get a qa division i would like to see from get an animator who can work around these and get a good engine and say okay even if it's locked at 30 i know that sucks but at least then your input timing would be identical and which and on really a game, game, which is really important. Yeah, it's I don't know, man. I like it a lot. There's a ton to like. Great exploration. So I don't want to sound negative. I'm just I want to warn people because I don't want them hearing all this and what I'm already experiencing, which is that people are like, what the fuck? And I hate that because we've talked about this before. Not everybody's paid off. Mm-hmm. In fact, very few are. You like you'll hear that yo YouTuber got paid or a pub or a press person got paid to say a good thing. Yeah, it's like a very but rare... these things cause that, Maddie. These are the situations that cause that when they don't talk about it. And yeah, it seems th- like... I had somebody say that stealth wasn't possible. And it's not only possible, Maddie. It's super overpowered. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like a general. That's like a general core of, or a core of the game itself, rather. Yes, it's, very it's, much so. Every piece of gameplay I've ever seen was like. All right, grappling hook up onto this ledge, onto this building, drop down, stab someone in the Drop neck, down, yeah. Cut down the other yeah. guy in soul style. You know, it's, yeah. It sounds like what happened was, there's a good game here, clearly. Um, I, yeah. don't th- I don't think the reviews were wrong about that. I think it's more so that they thought the game was so good that they overlooked certain things, or maybe... Or they didn't get to them. Yeah, I was going to say, based off, you know, the percentage you reported on Xbox, it's possible they, they didn't make it that far. Um, what's interesting... Dude, is... I'm not lying. I saw somebody say that they... Here's the review, and they had 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Like, that's redonkulous, Matty. Yeah. Redonkulous. It's little things like that. I don't think anyone cares, for example, if you play 12 hours and you put your thoughts out there, but label it properly. Call yeah, it impressions. Right. You know, this. I made a video yeah. about this about a year and a half ago. Uh, I think something had happened with with the review copies, and I was like, um, "Look, you know, no one cares how you do your review style. You know, if you want, if you're an impressions guy first, and then a review second, however you want to roll it out, just label it correctly. Yeah. That's all you've yeah. got to do. And that's you know, because I, I like I had to do it with seventy six because I did like, 
you know, because there were so many beta test phases and stuff, I had to, like, label videos properly because I had, like, four different impressions before my actual review of the game. And, um, you know, just a lot of people fail on that front. I think the same can be said here where you have a game that's good, but, like, it it was so glowingly praised. It it almost presents almost like a Mass Effect thing where it's like, I, I feel like Mass Effect 3 a lot will agree, like, oh, wow, this is a good game, and then you get to the end which, you know, everyone was painted like, this is a beautiful send-off for Shepard. This is exactly what we wanted. This is a fantastic right. game. You know, you're, you're going to love this if you're a longtime fan. And a lot of people were like, yeah, this is a great journey up until the last five the minutes. Ending. Right? And it's like, yeah. I think most people will would be appreciative of if they were just informed. I don't think, I think most people who watch reviews have already made up their mind on their interest level and whether or not they'll be buying a game. They're almost looking for confirmation. And, yeah, yeah. And if there's anything they're unaware of, rather than you know, like is the, is it a safe buy? Like, okay, I'm gonna buy this game. Let's see what Carrick has to say, and if this game has something that maybe other reviewers had not covered. Yeah, and I'm, you know, even if somebody like let's say somebody gets the last boss and they can't defeat him, mm-hmm. I'm okay if somebody is like, this is my review. Um, heads up, you know. I couldn't defeat this last boss, but up until that point, amazing, what have you. Right. Story amazing up until that last point. I don't know if something changes, but here's, Honestly you know, works. you just blur, just Honestly blurb it. Works. Yeah, um, what what disturbs me is that, especially with the gameplay state change that occurs with the locking out of areas on bosses, it locks them out. There's no grinding in this. So what I mean by that is you can't really experience grind. In fact, when you die, you lose half of your experience and half of your money, and the NPCs in the game world are, are basically hurt. There's a there's a story, there's an atmosphere around what's going on, but people actually are hurt whenever you die. So it it's odd. There's no summoning, so you can't get help. Um, it that, And I think that's why a lot of people consider it hard, because there's multiple things you can't do. Grinding, you can't dodge, and just consider yourself safe. Um, so I don't know, dude. I don't know what to think. Like, I don't ever want to throw that kind of thought out there because it could just be that, I mean, ignoring the 12-hour things that that multiple reviews stated, um, people could have beat it and they could have had a different, I've had this different gamer tag for their review versus preview versus NDA'd. Like if you're like looking at something, yeah, where you're looking at something you're not ever supposed to show people, Microsoft will come after you. They've been very clear in their little blurbs. They'll be like, dude, if you post this, even the NDA, if you even tell anybody there's an NDA, you're, it's like we're coming after you in court. So it's like, okay, I'll, we'll do a different gamer take. That could have happened. But I saw so many people saying they didn't finish it that I'm assuming that most didn't um, because they're not mentioning things that you notice, especially as you level up, that I haven't. In fact, there's one review I saw where they said something that is patently not actually true at a certain point. So I... And and is a big deal in the game, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I don't. It, it's. I just want people to know that it's like, it's it is fun, but be prepared for some jankiness like okay. Bloodborne. Um, yeah, and that's kind of kind of what I expected. Just yeah, I don't know. Like I know a lot of people love From games. I love Bloodborne, easily my favorite of them all. And quite honestly, going in the second oh, is row, it? I don't expect it to surpass. Bloodborne. I just think Bloodborne's very atmospheric too. It's, it's just very unique. There's nothing like it. I love right. its world. I, I love its gothic style. Um, there's just something very special about that game. I mean, there's very few games that, at least in like you know the last, I'll say five years, 
that I, I can think of that I've bought and I beat three times since then. Oh, wow. You know, I, I love Bloodborne. So with Sekiro, my expectations were tempered for two reasons. Number one, I have a high love for a game from their series that I know is going to be hard to replicate, kind of like how I feel about KOTOR. Like a lot of people go, will yeah. the game ever bump that off? I'm like, yeah, it's very well possible. But the only reason I don't see it happening is because that game did so much for me. And it's, it's just games like that are a dime a dozen. They never happen. Um, the other thing is that Activision was doing QA. I'm sorry, but anything involved with Activision, I don't suddenly just wipe that off the board just because even if FromSoft was like, yeah, Activision was great working with us. They, they really didn't screw us over at all. That's good and all. I doubt they're, they're going to come out in a company statement and be like, Activision fucking sucks. And quite honestly, they're ruining this right. product. Like, they're not going to do that. Um, so I wasn't really holding my breath that this game would come out squeaky clean because I don't remember the last product Activision did. Like, they fucking didn't include subtitles until, like, a couple of weeks ago in Spyro. That's insane to me. Right. Um, right. So I, I really wasn't holding my breath on it. Uh, furthermore, like you, I caught wind way in advance that, yeah, there's not going to be review copies. And as a creator... Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy I got a copy and I will play it. I will do diligence with my content like I always do. But I've removed that rush factor that was in me. Not like I've, I've rushed the game, but I'm saying rushing to the game to get to mm -hmm. it and to make my coverage for it, uh, impressions, thoughts, whatever. Because I feel like, you know, with you, it's a little different, right? Like you're a review guy, so you, you cover the major launches. For me, it's like my next major thing as a kind of a discussion channel is Borderlands. So I'm gearing up for that. So I've just been playing. Right. You know, the pre-sequel beat that. Um, I played two, chipping through the rest of the DLC, and I'm going to make 2019 reviews for those games. And I'm just kind of playing uh, what, what works for me now, you know, because I've realized yeah. that's what companies do. They pick people who work for them, and it's like, you know, that's good. I get that. I understand that. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. But I'm going to also, as a creator, do what's best for me, too. I'm not going to be, like, sitting here, y'all, on my hands and knees, like, please, please, please give me a code. You know, and, and like, give if they're not going to give it to me, that's fine. So, like, if they give it to me late and they already got five reviews out and no one knows me for FromSoft games. So, it's like, yeah, it's right. like I'm not going to rush and spend, you know, 60 hours grinding out Sekiro when I know uh, my audience is looking for something different from me. And I have plenty of variety in my content in the first place where it's not like, you know, that Sekiro's my out. You know, it's like, if this works... I'm free, man. Like, you know, I feel mm -hmm. very li liberated in, in what I create. Um, so that's, you know, for those who have wondered, because I, I get a question from time to time, like, where are the reviews? Because the last one I did was New Dawn. And, like, I always, ladies and gentlemen, just know, I always, always ask for a review copy. Like, I'll always drop what I'm doing to review a game because it's one of my favorite things to do, if not my favorite piece of content outside of the in-depth analysis. I, I genuinely love the process of reviewing a title and critiquing it prior to launch. Um... But yeah, just like if I can't get a copy in advance, it almost like unless you're a a Carrick or a, a press member, it, it kind of murders any potential that video has, especially if you're not known in said community you're releasing that review to. At that point, I'm just another number. And yeah, I, I, I get my audience wants to hear my thoughts on games. And that's kind of what this show serves as and, and opinion videos down the line. And usually you'll hear me lop other games into discussions kind of randomly and uh, if it fits the theme. So... That's kind of where I'm at with my review uh, and, and stuff with Sekiro. Um, I wonder how, how many people are streaming it on Twitch. I feel like that would be a really popular Twitch game. It, it is pretty popular. I've seen some people drop off. Um, oh, it dropped, actually. I guess it, mm. it was. Lyric took over 30,000 30, watching him. That's actually pretty low for him. I think with Sekiro, mm. also people want to see it. 
um, like as in themselves, maybe. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, uh, I'm going to, yeah, yeah, I'm going to st- stay out of it. I think a lot of reasons to go to the streams is like if somebody's having a problem with a boss or a bad yeah. guy. Because yeah. um, Ko this morning was like, there's there's barely anybody else streaming it, so there's no one to go, like, find a, a code, like, not a code, but a, uh, a, you know, a trick. There's no, there's, there's no one to sort of bounce some ideas off of on how to kill this guy or how to, how to do this. Right. But. Yeah, I think I think overall what I would like to see, to be honest, is I would just like to see From step it up in the next title, especially if it's going to be a samurai one. I think I expected something uh, coming off of Neo and seeing how slick the combat was. That's the one I'm I, really looking forward to personally. This one feels uh, this one feels more like Dark Souls, but with a samurai sword. What I mean by that is you're still faster, but it's still like even the there's guys with pikes and it feels like european style and and slower than like neo felt like i was a martial artist and you had all these combos and you're switching and and i get that people probably didn't like that as much but i feel that there was a middle ground that could have been hit um that what yeah. that isn't so much about just parry 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 yeah, parry 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 say, parry neo's middle ground seemingly was this feeling of like arcadey uh, mm-hmm. combat like light attack light attack heavy 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 switching weapons constantly um it's 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 glaring flaw was definitely in the mob enemies though they were not varied enough to demand any type of i don't want to say skill but um they didn't force the player to do anything out of the ordinary or pick a specific weapon type for a mission whereas uh, it seems like sekiro there is like a perk tree that rewards a style of play that you kind of go into um that's yeah. what they're, they're, that's like and this is just me as a gamer. There's two things that kind of turn me off about the game. Is one, you can't change out the sword at all. You're just using that all game, which I love. And, and, and this is not just Bloodborne, but every Dark Souls game. Trying the new weapons, trying the new armor, seeing the build for a specific weapon. I feel that stripped down a lot of what is there. Um, and I don't like how... Be- and in turn, there's no attribute system now. There's just a perk tree which yeah. does add new mechanics, and I don't devalue that by any means, but I'm just saying I think they had a system that worked universally across any game they did. Multiple builds, weapon types, armor types, just fucking made sense. I don't know why they stepped away from that. That always seemed very... We, we've talked a lot this show about like removing the edge, streamlining a bit, and that, that seemed like really streamlining the the process and like i said i I have not played the game i could be wrong the perk system could be fantastic and it could add layers to combos and counters and blocks that i that are beyond my wildest dreams but from the outside looking in i just think removing builds and, and weapon types that just hurts the experience uh yeah it's it's unique i think there's some flexibility there that it sounds like you haven't seen which is cool like okay. you know because like you said you hadn't seen some of it so that there is some surprises in store, which I think you'll like, um, mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, it's it's you know I don't know, man. It's like it's a it's a from software game, and so I think just like I know some people who love Bloodborne but actually don't like Dark Souls, and then I know some people who like Dark Souls but hate Bloodborne, and then I think with this you'll get a lot of the same. Um, I just think Ghosts now is much higher on my expectations list than now that I've played this. Because I actually feel like Ghosts probably is going to nail it a little bit better 
than this did, even though I get why people like this. Um, I'm going to wait more for the community, you know, to sort yeah. of see what they think of That's it. That's I'm kind of reviewers. holding back because I, I really want to see, you know, if, if there's a an effect that we see with a lot of games, which is like it comes out, press high reviews, first impressions. I've seen so many creators like, oh, my God, this feels so unique. There's nothing like it. And I think that will always stick. But I want to see if down the line people kind of break it down and go, <laughs> you know, those videos. Like, here's why Sekiro wasn't as good as other yeah. FromSoft games. And I, I'm not going in, by the way, folks, when I do play this game, I'm not going in with confirmation bias. Like, hey, you know, here, let's see how trash this one is compared to the others. Like, not No, no, no. I, I want I mean... this game to be great. I, I want to enjoy it um, when I do play it. It's just, I, I get this feeling based off what you said, the reviews, the impressions, the the what? Wait, how is that? Why is that not mentioned? I, I feel like over time that'll build up and you might see a video or two, uh, a thought piece or two on why Sekiro is a great game but it missed some of what made FromSoft games so fantastic. Um, yeah. I believe it was Dark Souls 3, I want to say. Maybe it was 2. Um, and it, I, I just bring this up, not scenario-wise, but with, with Sekiro, you mentioned a couple of times how there were those kind of like, what glitches? And I, I don't remember which Dark Souls game it was. It was 2. Was. It, was two. it was absolutely 2, yeah. Because yeah. 3 had some, but it was, I, I still, because 3 I actually think I like the best. But I do remember distinctly playing 2 and talking to people who played 2. And it was, a lot of people had issues. And I don't remember what it was about 2 that was different. But I'm, I, I swear to God, it was almost like their B team or something. like ta Or something about how that came about. And I don't remember right. the background of it. I would actually like to go and look now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 2 definitely had some, some, some oddities. I think the thing that happens with Sekiro is because it's a unique universe, a new one. Right, like fresh people, paint almost. It, it, a fresh coat of paint. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Which that there's nothing wrong with like liking it because of that for mm -hmm. sure. I think it's a good game. I just think that go into it and know that there there's still oddities despite you know what it sounded like a lot of people said, which was like perfection. Because even when I was playing it, I was like, what the fuck game are they playing? Like what. Am I missing I think, something? I think and just then... a very big issue with games in general being having hyperbolic coverage. Like the, people are not able to distinguish between hype, like oh I'm excited for this thing, and why they're excited. Like that's the thing they're just yeah. excited about the thing. That's it. Yeah. And it's like even some of the most well thought out reviews sometimes fall prey to this. And I I don't know. I don't say this in a dick way or like, oh, my content's better than yours. I don't know because I've done it in the past, so I've learned from it, and I know how not to, but I don't know how others at this point in the game don't know how to. You know, like, yeah. you're able to say, like, you know, every time I pick up the controller, this game's great, and, and overlook all the glaring flaws, but not be able to explain why those positives are so great that you can ignore the negatives, right? Like, there, there is a level of detail and effort that has to go into that, and I think a lot of modern game coverage likes to gloss over that if they enjoy something, because it almost takes away from the vision of the creation. Like, this, like, you know, they decide, okay, simply put, I like Sekiro, I'm going to tell people to buy it, I'm going to tell people it's a very good game. And when you start typing up that review, you're like, you know, you're banging it all out, all this positive stuff about Sekiro, and you start interjecting that one bit of negativity, and you're like, oh, that takes it a bit off track. I'm going to, you know, backspace that a little bit. Um, I feel like that happens quite a bit, like a lot of rewriting of the script because it doesn't fit the vision of the video that they're creating, and it might. It's true. Some it, important it, stuff. It, it might like that. That may just all be. That just might be what it is. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's it happened with Zelda. 
it happened with, and I certainly don't put these on a tier together or something, but um, it, it's weird because as a good game, even a great game at times, I, I'm more of the belief of like picking and telling people the different elements that make it great despite the issues because no right. game's perfect. So you can say, this is here, but here's why that doesn't, that doesn't really impact sure. you. And I've even had people go, you vacillate between being positive and negative through the entire review. And I'm like, exactly. That's, yeah, I do that's all the time. quite literally how you cover and break something down is to say, here's a thing here, but here's a thing here. And if a game's got more positive, I would certainly cover more positive, but there's, and more negative. But it is weird that even consumers I've talked to are confused at times when you'll say something is great, but there's an issue and they'll be like, but you said it was great. And you're like, well, yeah, it is. That, that's the well, thing. Yeah, I just, when I, I it excels people... beyond that. Yeah, I was going to say, exactly, took the words out of my mouth. I think a lot of people don't understand the idea of you can like something and a product as a whole, but say, like, there are things about it that aren't very good. Kingdom Hearts 3, I think, is the best recent example. I loved that game, but I can still say, A, Frozen sucked, B, Sora's a moron, <laughs> C, they <laughs> fucked up with Kyrie. I can say all three of those with full confidence and still say, I loved playing that game. And part of it's because I'm a fan, but I certainly know if I were to sit down and critically review that game, you know, there were, there was a lot to go in on what was bad about it. But, you know, it also, I felt had a lot of good to it. And you can, you, there, there are also tears of it. And like, you know, as a fan, as a critic, as you know, cause like, you're speaking to those tears, not right. just one, you might be speaking to 500,000 people and you want to make sure just because some dude doesn't have an issue like you do with a certain level that you don't mm -hmm. mention it because somebody else might like i heard i saw somebody bitching about tangled in your discord yesterday from from kingdom hearts oh uh, actually it was it was it was grim it was grim he was like grim i the, like the, the double name drop here. <laughs> grim with the double name drop but he was like i like this but i don't like tangled and he explained his reasoning which i think is a valid reasoning for other people like him like there's there's nothing wrong with saying get, that game's great, but mm -hmm. he had an issue. And while you, on the other hand, may, are not him, so like there's nothing wrong with you saying you liked it. Because I think what's... Kopi was the one who brought Frozen to my attention. I was mid playthrough. Oh, like, it's really? Not that bad. And then he was like, "Well, you know, it's this, this, and this." And I'm like, mm, "Yeah, fuck, right. That's <laughs> mm, that's not very good." And I I just like, think forewarned get... is better. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Cause, more cause... more data can't hurt. Exactly. That's the thing. I I don't know if like with these press sites, they have like a limit on how long a review can be. You and I have talked true to, to yeah. redundancy about uh, you know a, a website having like a four minute review on like an eighty hour game. You're like, how in the fuck do you just sum that all up in four minutes? Right. It doesn't make sense. And and to IGN's credit, Sekiro's review was eight minutes. Um, oh, hey. Which is, yeah, which is a great step up. Um, so I do hope they start to loosen up on that and allow more longer form reviews. Because I did watch it out of curiosity. I saw it was eight minutes. And I was like, what? It was like almost yeah, nine. Yeah, no shit, right? And I was like, holy, okay, let's give this a listen. Uh, and it's by a guy from IGM, uh, Brandon Tyro, who I, I actually like quite a bit. I think he's one of the few there, alongside like Ryan McCaffrey, who does really good work. Um, mm -hmm. For but sure. I, re I really do hope to see more of that more long-form mm -hmm. press reviews because i think there would be less of an issue with how the press carry some of the impressions and and reviews style videos because you know they're just too condensed and that's why people go uh for other aside from other reasons they go outside of that and, and start going to yeah. individual communities and creators because 
you'll see you who does like a 15 minute, not even a review, but a 15 minute impressions video on the division two and the official review for most of these press sites for the division two is like eight minutes tops. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a weird situation, uh, especially right now when you see, um, some of the timing for some of these, how, how short they are, what they cover and the mm-hmm. game they cover. It, right. it, it definitely, and, and just how they're named. I'm assuming a lot of it probably has to do with clicks, but yeah, that's just something I don't even stress it anymore. Yeah, you can't, I wouldn't even you can't. know how to do it's a clickbait. And I would have to put like boobs in a thumbnail because I wouldn't even know how to clickbait the name. I, I guess you could say, is Sekiro trash or something? Even if you didn't believe it. I see that it. quite a bit. Yeah, I see that quite often. With games. But is this trash? Yeah, but to me then, like you have to explain like why you would even put that. That's one of the things I always try to do is explain what I'm putting in the title. Mm-hmm. So that even that would be quite difficult for me to explain because it's not. It's actually a very fun game. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird situation to go into with this game. I think we'll see it with Cyberpunk. I've been telling people multiple times, and I even told you that. I'm like, we got to make sure we don't get our expectations too fucking high, like we did with Spider Man. Luckily, mine's kind of like died down because they showed that big gameplay, and they've really just been like all talk, no show lately. So, yeah, yeah. Which is good, though. That's, yeah. I I personally think that's what we want is to go in with more open eyes and say, okay, 60 bucks, worth it, not worth it. Nothing wrong with being excited. Mm-hmm. But um, man, the drop off when I've I've seen people get into a game that's good, but it's got a couple issues, and the hate that comes if they're not informed is insane. Yep. How mad people can get that just yes, like, it, in, and instead, if you had said it or if somebody had said it, they would be like, okay, okay, you know, warned. Like I got, I got you, I get yep. it. But yeah, it's it's a weird situation out. for all these. Yeah, it definitely is, and I think with Sekiro, especially. Um, like with this game, it is good. It's just uh, there's 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 some oddities, just like all the others. It's not it's not perfection. Please please don't assume it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that'll wrap up everything we've got for episode one ninety five of the Ham Radio podcast. In just a mere few weeks, Excellent. we'll be uh, on episode two hundred. Two hundred. We're still working on trying to think of something special for that episode. So if you got suggestions, fire away. Discord comments by all means, because we're, sure. we're we're still perusing ideas here and. It's hard to do podcast specials, especially when you get awesome guests like yeah. Colin last week. You know, that type of stuff, man. So uh, we'll keep perusing. We'll keep listening. And uh, we'll figure something out. But thank you to everyone who listened this deep. And we will catch you guys next week. Peace, Peace out. out. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.